0: Hello and welcome to episode six. Today we are going to talk about. You
1: labels and
0: labels and masters. Yeah, I think yeah. I don't know what the title is going to be, but uh, probably something quite boring. Uh, again, I'm all the way But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, all about you know record deals, record labels, trying to explain that to. The everyday music listener, and then also young artists, and also like me and you, because we've been talking about it a lot. The industry has changed so much, so record labels are, are moving with that change, and they're changing what they do. And we're going to be talking a lot about that: how much it's all changed, and some of the power shifts and dynamics. What are you thinking about it, finon
1: yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't know a whole lot about labels until the last like few years. Would have grown up with them. Um like like we were talking before we were recording, like with the X Factor type of thing, where like, oh yeah, you get the record deal, you're sorted. Like,
0: Was that a factor when you were listening to X Factor? Like, did you think, was did it centre around the record deal or was it more about the fame that people were getting from the show?
1: I think it was the record deal because like, if you think about it, like, now, the year I remember is when Matt, Matt Cardell won. I think that was the year One Direction ran. And I remember, like... You know, for example, One Direction got a deal. He got a deal. Um, I don't remember who else was on that year. But when you look at what, you know, the long term of it, One Direction were the ones who, you know, stuck with the deal. Yeah. Past, you know, more than one or two albums. Like, it was just like, that was the kind of basic understanding is that, like, these happened, but also they could stop.
0: It's so interesting. Like, a TV show is what brought something like masters and record deals into our homes again like you said most most people were under the impression that an artist does these things to get a record deal and when they get that record deal mission accomplished and they're going to make it that's
1: but that's what people the thing is so i feel like as a kid that it made it like a thing that was um appealing when without that i would have had no clue what it was i would have like Aside from then, like someone joking, like "Oh, like I'm gonna make you a star," you know, like it's like something like that. Like that's all that it meant to me. And then when you really get into the nuances of it, you wonder who gets the chance to look into the nuances of it, either before they sign or um, maybe when they're approached or something like that, and who doesn't, and who like signs these things without understanding what they're signing.
0: Well, that's it because these are like I don't know huge amount about these things. I've been on a talent show, so I sort of know how a little bit works, and I know friends who've done it. But like there's two things going on. There's a record company signing talent and there's a production company also signing talent, but in a completely different way. Um, and that's where you get the, you know, the entertainment, the people who maybe aren't so good, uh, the people who are really good. And then all the stuff in between and the kind of comedic piss take stuff, which they, you know, destroy people's lives on, you know, right in front of every, everybody on TV. And then you get the odd breakthrough act who will... Not sign a record deal. They will have actually already signed a record deal while signing up to the show because often these things are record deals. So if you sign on The X Factor, they will have exclusivity over your recordings in the future and most likely over what you sing and what recordings you put out.
1: Just to go back to what you mentioned there. So you were on, but you auditioned for the All Ireland Talent Show back in 2010? Um, that would have been a prize of 50 grand but it wouldn't be been a record deal yeah. but it no. was a situation where one of the judges did that type of thing where like they tried to I wouldn't say humiliate but like just like for the drama and for the, the television of it
0: yeah so that's what I mean again I'm talking from experience I know what these shows do and this was not even a show that it didn't like, depend on a record label because it was an all-talent show. Like They were taking jugglers, they were taking musicians, chefs, all sorts of people. So, yeah, we did happen to get pitted against each other by uh, a judge on one of the shows. And it was all for the drama. It was pitching two brothers against each other. But thankfully, we didn't leave the show. We, we kept on playing after yeah. the show. We kept on as a band. Obviously, we know the history there. <laughs> but thankfully, the show didn't sign us into a record deal and then own our master's. And, like, Masters, to put, like, really simply, and maybe a lot of people know this now because it's been made, you know, front-page news by people like Taylor Swift recently and stuff like that. Masters is just, like, the original copy and the original, the you know, the official audio of that song. Yeah. Um, that's basically what we're referring to. Um, so... Yeah, the ownership of these things, the ownership of the original recording, it can still make money in, like, loads of ways. Like, what did they teach you about this in music college, you know? And, like, what did they have to say? How did they break down what a master is and the importance of a, signing a record deal and all the rest?
1: Like, I don't think I can even answer it like that. I, could, I, I just could say from where, what I knew and what, where my, like, perspective changed to... Um, yeah. And, like, I could speak at least for, like, you know, friends of mine who, who are in kind of similar positions to myself. There's no direct appeal to signing away the masters like of our work. Like, for example, if you're a small independent musician and you're essentially like a sole trader, let's just say, you're doing so many things, you're doing like probably like a thousand jobs, and because of that you you have to learn and adapt and do it well, like you want to run things well you can make it work, you know what I mean? So, like, with that point of view and with your footing there, I, I just don't see the appeal of someone coming in and going, uh, someone in that position and going like, oh, we'll, we're going to sign you into a deal and we'll own your master's. But if I was 18 or 19 and, you know, pre studying music and probably just, like, a year into studying film, and I was writing songs and whatever, and, and I knew nothing, I would have taken whatever like if someone came like i got an email the other week for example what um based off the release it was someone asking like you know we'll promote your song if you give us like 650 pounds and i was like no (laughs) delete my email thanks like you know it's just like but if i was 18 or 19 i'd be like what What? like someone wants to promote my me like you know it's like i it's that kind of like that's the switch i've noticed over the few years but that took ages I'm glad it did. I don't know where I would have made a mistake um, along that maybe if I was good. <laughs> well, if if someone came up to you now and said
0: Finan I really believe in what, you, what you're what you doing and you know, I've heard you on the podcast you sound like you've got your shit together you what are you working on this EP? Like I'm really interested in working with you on that EP what would it take to have to, to you know, to sign you to own your masters like What would you ask for in return based on what you know? And again, like I'll remind listeners, you know this. I had managers, lawyers, people doing this for me. So I never really had to negotiate. Well, I did later, later in my career. But at the stage you're at, I didn't have to negotiate these things. So like I'm dying to sign your master's. You trust me because I've been emailing you for six months. You know, we've we've developed a rapport what's going on? What like would you take it or would you just tell me
1: now? No, at the moment I wouldn't. I do think about this because I know I said last week that like I I wouldn't sign a deal a record deal, but I'd consider a publishing one. But like at the moment I'm good. Like I have enough recording planned and paid for. Let's say to get me through a, a, a long time. Like you know, like a, a couple of releases. And as that goes, the bar to continue that isn't that high. And like. You know, kind of go back to that point of like wearing all the hats and stuff. It's like when you're doing that, um, you're—I don't know—you might get money off streaming. Like if I I got a euro for every stream that there's been of the song so far, or like paid for every time someone actually like checked it out, I'd I'd have made the money back already. You know what I mean? It—I'm coming up to one cent, (laughs) not even point point zero 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 something. But like, um, I think like. If I want basically if I wanted to record music, I can make it work. And I think that I would say the difficulty, but like the um that kind of wall to claim is worth doing to own the masters. We've
0: heard you basically in the last five, six weeks speak through what you know, what that process has been. It sounds like an awful lot of work as well, you know, and like fair play to you for getting through it. And like you said, now that you've done it you have a system in place in which you can release your masters. Yeah. And these are masters. It will evolve. Yeah. Yeah, it will. And also another reminder, same as publishing, like you can backdate this stuff. Yeah. So you owning it now is really beneficial. I'm going to tell you a story about like some of Hudson Taylor's first early releases, which, you know, we owned, we actually did own. We released music before signing a record deal. And we had a process in place to do that yet the appeal of a record deal and the money they can give, the promotion they can give, all of that stuff still sucked me in and our manager and everyone else involved in the, in the project. And that was in 2011, 12, was the way, you know, the way to see serious, serious, like the top 40 sort of artists. You know, if you're going for that sort of thing, there's obviously different levels. And, and like, it's again, something maybe we haven't really spoke about, like when we're t- when I'm speaking about music, I'm mostly talking about those top 40 commercial, The Machine, that we all kind of know, the music that comes into our life every day. I'm not. <laughs> um, exactly. And non's not. So, like, that's what's great about our different heads and opinions and experiences. So, uh, yeah, we had a, a way of, in which to record our stuff, but still a major label was interested. And they actually wanted to buy our old recordings. So that's what I'm saying. You could record 10 songs now over the next year and then a label could come to you in 2025 and say, "Finnon, we love your album and we're actually really experienced. In Germany, we're a German record label and we know the German market really well and we'd love to take 15%. We'd love to license your song. That's another thing that people are getting into now and that's what you'll see a lot with so-called independent artists at the moment. They have their independent songs and then they'll license it to a label for five, ten years and and the label will take less of a percentage. They won't be involved much in the creativity. They'll be involved in the marketing and the promotion. So that is still open to you now. That's appealing, to be fair. Yeah, someone comes on and they go, look, I know this market. I know how to work music. I really love your songs. I think I can do X, Y and Z. And you know, I wanna have rights over this music in Germany or let's say any country, you know, like it could be the world. That's happening a lot. That that appeals to me and yeah, I mean so does so does signing a record deal, to be honest, after even signing three of them and not having a very good experience, I feel like I'd know how to work with a label now in a way that protects all parties involved and like it just depends on a lot of the same thing as the publishers the teams, the people in there the politics of these record labels we're going to get into it all and how sadly in my experience how little the artist has been included in their own career, in driving their own career
1: That's what freaks me out, like that's the thing at the moment where like if I'm in this stage where I'm able to establish you know, who I am as an artist, what I make just what, what is this like to give that away really weirds me out i don't think i'd be comfortable with that that's a very personal thing i'd be kind of handing away and um at a very i don't know yeah like a young age like i, I, I like i know i'm saying this to you and that's something you signed away when you were like 18 it i know it's it's with the parallels are strange like but like there is the sense then where i can see how um and i mentioned that the maybe the other week, we were talking about um, someone who was kind of just, like, fucked around, basically, maybe by the A&R department for, like, six months, and then told that they didn't have enough, like, TikTok buzz or something. And, um, like, I know there are artists then, and I'm hyper aware of this, so it's something I'm always in the back of my mind and, and trying to kind of set things up so I might get here where, like, you are recording enough music, and, and it's doing well, and you're kind of you're waiting to, like, get that kind of break or like, whatever just need a bit more money to like actually like if you just had like that extra bit of help there or the money to actually pay for this recording this project whatever that would in your head get you there i think that's where like that's the position where i think an artist might be vulnerable enough to um, sign something that might be a bit shitty
0: and if someone is giving money they're not just giving money for the crack like, it's it's often with lots of caveats. So it's, here's 10 grand, but I want to spend it. Or, you know, I want to have most say over it. Like, that's the thing. I think you're right. Like, a lot of I was in that situation. Uh, you know, like, you just need... You need that support because it's not there elsewhere in music when you're when you're early on in your career, not selling gig tickets or, you know, whatever. You can't... There's not many other incomes there. That's why I think it's extremely smart with where you're at right now in your career in 2023, you know, to bank these things up and own them yourself to see see where it goes do you know what i mean like you said you, you've almost made one cent now if you know, on well that could be two <laughs> two cents like, to be fair, <laughs>
1: next week i have to say people have been very kind on of bandcamp and stuff like that and like that and, the, and the, you know we're talking about like how can you support an artist we're like there are artists who that would make a big difference for like so
0: like that's brilliant people have been buying your music on bandcamp like,
1: but I have my issues with Bandcamp <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't have those issues a month ago <laughs> so,
0: so do I I've got, I've got issues with them they have done some questionable business activities in the last month or so two months even also like besides them as a company not all bands experiences and artists experiences work like yes Bandcamp is essentially a shop for people and artists to sell their music but remember what happens when I sell my music it pays back this massive debt that I didn't really have a hundred percent of the say over, so we I've done Bankcamp Friday, and people believe they're helping me, and it's not actually going to my pocket, whereas like a lot of the perception when people are supporting you on Bankcamp like I know if I'm buy your single on Bankcamp, you're getting it, whereas, as I've told you, if someone buys all my whole discog on Bankcamp, like it'll just be paying back. Yeah, that massive expenditure, which I've said, you know, again, I didn't have full control over. That expenditure is things like an advance, an artist advance, similar to what we spoke about with the publishing. In order for the major labels to buy your rights, they they buy you out basically. So they're going here's let's just nice easy number here's one hundred grand for your first album. We're going to make three music videos and we're going to put in the contract that these three music videos will cost in total 60 grand. So that's a total of now 160 grand to make this album. And then we're going to go... But you want to go on tour and you want to have a band and going on tour with a band is very expensive, but we feel like it's the right thing to do because we want to put our best foot forward. So here's 40 grand to go on tour. So now we're at, you know... (laughs) 200 grand to pay back via album sales and streams, which as we're saying, just with the climate at the moment, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Like it would happen if we were Adele, but like we're not. So yeah, all of these different costs are all recoupable. Yeah. That's, that's, that's just with major labels, same as um, independent labels. Like what's your, how would be the best way to describe, like major label just seems to me like it's a, conglomerate universal there's very few of them big big
1: as you as you said the big boys um
0: yeah the market manipulates. yeah
1: and then there's you know quote-unquote independent labels but they're just not the big they're just not those companies but they're they still operate in the same way and then there's actual independent um record labels you know
0: it's probably about three tiers i'd say you just described them really well big boys smaller big boys and then everyone else (laughs) yeah actual independent and then you know uh like i mentioned adele there like i've heard her described to me as an independent artist before maybe she licenses her music to big boys in other territories
1: (laughs) i want to go back to something you mentioned earlier so you were talking about um basically your your first ep your battles ep well not your first ep because you had um it starts here
0: it starts here, yeah. So we Finest started out... Hudson, Terry, Harry and Alfie yeah. <laughs> were We started out as two brothers on YouTube as Harry and Alfie. We met management from London. One of the managers worked in the major label system right at the top and the other manager worked in music studios and across live work. So they were a great management team and they developed us with the idea that we would sign, like I said, a major record le- le- deal and a, and a publishing deal. And part of how you do that at the time, actually, I think it's before we get into it. Yeah, if we sold 20,000 albums in 2008 for a tenner each, that's 200 grand. Like, do you know, that actually has way more of a chance at making back these big figures? Except music has changed so much and there's no value in music. Whereas, like, 20,000 fans, like, that should not be looked at as a bad thing. Whereas I feel in commercial music, it is It is now. It is yeah.
1: now. Like so your first DP is Hudson Taylor was released independently under your own record label, Crack Records. And Yeah.
0: We had really great management. One of them had label background, the other literally owned a studio. So we had we had a really, really good team in place to develop us as artists and also to come up with masters and record masters on the cheap because our manager owned a studio.
1: And then when you signed your first deal, basically you essentially sold that the rights to those masters for how much it cost, which so would be like eight thousand quid. Our
0: management invested in us, eight grand, and they said this is gonna be studio cost, photo shoot, a music video, clothes, like you're talking marketing, everything. They put yeah. in eight grand. We recorded four songs in the studio, had a great producer, it was mixed, it was mastered All for eight grand, we released the EP. We had a great campaign around it. We'd like hired someone who had worked at a major label to help us with the marketing. And it was like early social media campaign. It was all really exciting. And I felt really connected to that release. And you can tell if you look back at it all, we're like, sort of, you feel like we're the driving force. I was in the room, I was in the planning meetings and all of this sort of stuff, like understanding it. And fair play to my management at the time. Like a lot of the knowledge I have, i got from from them you know and it meant i was able to be a a bit of a a bit more of an active observer for the rest of my career because i had this knowledge that i was taught by my previous management in setting up an independent label and getting a band to the stage where they are attractive to a major record label
1: so at that time like it was itunes was the thing and there was single of the week would have been a single that would have been given for free um, but yeah you would sell the
0: ep like we so that's the thing they put in eight grand and it wasn't like we're putting eight grand in today's market where it's going to be streaming and you might make the eight grand back in six years this Mm. was like you could potentially make the eight grand back pretty quickly because people are still buying music for one euro a track so an ep would be 3.99 and you sell enough of them like then so that was the business model we had and we were going to carry on with that business model until we got signed my partner gabrielle who i'd just gotten with at the time that was kind of what she was up to at the time and she she was maybe six months to a year ahead of us with releasing her home ep which was what nick was talking about when he first started working with her he was creating that ep they released it on their own label never fade it did really well and Parlophone another UK major label signed Gabrielle off the back of that very successful home EP yeah. which went number one on iTunes the re- one of the main reasons it went number one on iTunes not because it's just a brilliant EP was because of exactly what you just said single of the week which was iTunes which were the Spotify of the time let's say it was the fucking yeah. main place to buy and listen to music uh, they ran a campaign on their homepage which would have had hundreds of thousands of people looking at it every day and that would be giving away a, a master for free. And like, I think 90,000 people a week at the time were, were just doing it no matter what the music was. So it would automatically mean your EP, if you're releasing it on the same time, would, would get a massive boost from that because people would go, oh, I, I might as well complete the purchase. And
1: what song was it?
0: It was a song called Drop a Smoke. And it, it did really well, and people still love it. And, like, people have a connection to that song. It's so interesting, because people have a connection to that song that's more than streaming, because they actually press a couple of buttons to download it and to own it, even though it was, like, if we'd have just released that on streaming, it's just another song we released for free on streaming. Whereas this was like, wow, they're giving me something for free.
1: I have a connection with music in that way, even. I remember buying the script's second album, Passengers, um, Odd Little Lights, Um mm-hmm i definitely bought yours i swear um and like you know like but like you you remember it even um the nostalgia of i remember buying uh like a physical cds but then i remember like like once again like i just didn't have money as a kid like but i remember like buying that album and and being like whoa it starts you listen to it so much you I like i bought like don't you worry child by swedish House mafia i just listened to it on loop because it was like the one song i bought <laughs>
0: Like yeah, I was the same with CDs growing up. It, like you have a connection with it because it's like a conscious purchase, and like you, you know, you have to think about yeah. buying it on like a stream where you just literally click it on, and you can skip after ten seconds, and and it doesn't even the money won't even make it to the artist if you do that, you know. So it's like like you said you had to seek it out and or you were either put onto it by someone else and it was just feels like music and art and movies as well were a lot more meaningful back then whereas now it's just like it's become this thing that we throw away it just feels like it, it used to carry a little bit more importance and this single of the week feels like like the beginning of legitimizing free music so yeah like cuz it worked for us, and it worked for Gabrielle. Like, we were giving away music. You know, I'm not going to say 100% of them had a connection with our song. Some people probably went, What the fuck is this? But like, enough yeah. of them did to buy the EP. And the eight grand was getting very close to being paid back.
1: That's not there anymore. That's like, that's it's completely ex- gone. The quality of an EP back then and the reasoning to put one out right now, like, I would love to put out an EP but I don't see the benefit. Don't, I don't see many artists releasing an EP, actually. I see them releasing singles and then doing an album.
0: Well, this is where it it fucking... It, like, it worked out for us as an independent artist at the time for very, very specific reasons. And that is, let me tell you here, and this will loop us into how we got signed and when we got signed and all the rest of it, was... Like, it's all about that hype you can create. Yeah, like, EPs, if you did it on the... On iTunes, there was no way in hell we would ever be able to chart a single on iTunes at that time. And that was the chart. The iTunes chart was the one that people cared about. So we were hoping to make the album charts. Same as what Gabrielle was doing. Remember, we were just observing this and our management were putting their own spin on that. So the album charts are less competitive because there's less album releases every week. So you're more likely to chart on an album. An EP, four songs, was at the time chart eligible as an album. So we'd release it, get the single of the week. Suddenly, let's say 10,000 people, even less, 800 people download the album. We will probably chart. And if we chart, as what happened with Gabrielle, she charted number one on iTunes with Home and then got signed a up. Screenshot. the back of that. You take a screenshot, share it to the world, say we're number one. Uh, happens we, still. It still people, happens. I did it. it still happened. Yeah. I still did it in 2020. It's like, And of course you do, because, like, that's what we dream about, right, as kids, like, being number one and, you know, all of this stuff. And, like, because you think that's the metric of success in music. Um, And it's definitely the metric of commercial success in music, number one slot, you know. It's like we were using that as a tool to 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 make labels like us uh, number one Irish album even though it was an EP and it was like like I just told you we massively manipulated the system to get this number one we had a great fan base and they were very loyal and a, a lot of that came from the YouTube and the Buskin days but like you. Uh, there you go if you know, and you're still, <laughs> still here with us now so um, but like it was a mixture of that and these industry mechanics that happened which allowed us to chart EP and then after that we had the interest of two major labels, we played them off each other, we went out to fancy dinners with them, they really wanted to sign us, the money, again the advances, the uh, things they were offering starts getting a a bit better because we're looking better as a band, we have an EP that's been in the charts Mumford and Sons were hot at the time and they were signed with Universal and I think you know if some people were thinking jesus we could be the next mumford and sons because we were kind of playing sort of folky folky sort of stuff
1: that's happening now. that's happening right now that's the thing either mumford and sons it's not mumford and sons lumineers and noah can they're the three people are um recreating but also their it's, their marketing strategy on tiktok sometimes it's like
0: I, I know i get it and it's what's important to note at the time is like it was a community and a scene and it's you know, it was something like, I, yeah, like Laura Marling. Went from, so it was a thing. It was like this thing bubbling under yeah. the surface. And you can, people always credit artists' work to the industry. They'll always go, oh, and it was that team that did it. It's like, yeah. lads, it was the fucking artist that did it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's what people are buying into. They're going and they're seeing the shows and they're loving those people on the stage and they're loving the music that they create. Like, yeah, the teams have a big part to play, as we just said, with that single of the week thing. Yeah. Yeah, we'd released that Battles EP, it went number one, we were hot property, Polydor signed us, and in those negotiations, our management who had fronted the eight grand to record that EP, suggested to us, look lads, why don't we just throw in the EP that we've just made with them, the Battles EP, and... Would we'll sell that for how much money it took to record it. So it doesn't come from your guys' pocket. It comes, you know, they'll just buy it out. So we'll get our eight grand back. You guys don't have to worry about paying that, that back to to us. I thought, yeah, great idea. That, that makes sense. I'll be able to keep more of me hundred grand that they're giving me. And we sold it for eight grand. Now, what happened in that first year as we went on to promote our first album, that EP was still sitting there on streaming services and iTunes being bought. So it had actually made... I think, upwards of 30 grand in that first year. So had had we have held on to it, that would have been, you know, not 100% of our income, but it would have come back through our system, which we said at the start, we had in place to receive this. And that's what the interesting parallel throughout my whole last 10 years is like, my partner Gabrielle did that with her music. She kept it and she kept her own label and her own first two or three EPs and mm. as she was promoting her singles with the major label, all of these, all of this music got a look in. And yeah. number one, she had a source of income, but number two, then she had a source of income to invest in other bands and music. You know, her and her manager keeping on to their their rights. And they're also now in the position to license it out to another label who will work it and take a percentage of it. So it just, again, is another kind of, another s- signal... To say, look, it's better to own it yourself,
1: and to like round it off almost.
0: I don't even know how we're going to round it off, dude. Like, it's so much to talk about. Uh, but go for it.
1: It. So I. I doubt the figures are that big anymore. Like for a record deal, Our, So like, like
0: I, they've gotten smaller for me throughout my career. So like I tell you that first first that album makes sense though.
1: Like it, I'm not joking. It, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, based um, on my talent. Um, yeah, but it, it kind of, uh, there you go, yeah. yeah. Um, slowly declining lack of, uh, yeah. there we go. The first one with the major record label, like we signed with Polydor and we began working our first album and that took three years. During that process, it was their job to break us as a band in the UK. That was their domestic market and that was the plan. So like, it was almost like the more money you could ask a label to spend on you, the better your chances are at becoming a priority. Do you get There's
1: me? pressure to make exactly. it work. Exactly. So, the, but did
0: that work with you? <laughs> no. But in a way, it did both times. And I'll tell you why. It's because, like the first album, you know, it's like throwing stuff at the wall until what works, until you yeah. see what works. Like, you know, it's throwing stuff and you're throwing stuff and you're like, okay, that one's stuck. Let's do it. That's kind of the approach they take when they invest loads of money in because. Yeah, they sign us for let's say a hundred grand, you know, that they bought bought our first album for the recordings yeah. of. Uh and again, the usual caveats fifty percent comes up front, fifty percent comes at the end, me and Harry split it and it's taxed and all the rest of it, it doesn't actually sound, it's not a hundred grand as as I just <laughs> it's I not mentioned last week as well. Exactly. It's not just someone handing you money, it's split down in loads of different ways and it, it doesn't last very long. Uh when you're, you know, supposed to be a pop star or whatever as well. So yeah, there's there's all of that. But you, the more you can get them to spend, the more they have to make that money back or have to try and make it back. Do you know? So that was sort of the approach at the time. I don't think That's, that exists too much anymore. Which I don't a,
1: think it sounds smart either. But like I, I know at the time it would have been the thing. But at least on, on when you're starting out, it's good to own what you're when you're figuring it out and keep on to it. That's at least you know where I'm at. At the moment, like, life's long and I'm going to make a lot of stuff. Like, I'm not... I I feel a very personal connection to the stuff I have at the moment because I've had it so long or it just is, like, you know, in its infancy. So I wouldn't feel right sending that away. But, you know, there are positions that maybe I'd consider.
0: It's just, there's there's ways. There's always going to be different ways of doing things. And, like, also, you can be independent, like we said, and licensed through a major label. And... That's what the second rec- record company I worked with, the independent label in so Ireland. Independent. That's no. it. That's what they, that's how they operate. They're an independent label in Ireland and they have enough money to fund and work music in Ireland. And then when it comes to working other territories, they tend to license their acts' music in those other territories. Yeah, that's that's their sort of business model and... Like, that has loads of flaws as well. As we were just saying, the money goes down if you're working with an independent company. You know, uh, you get less of an artist advance. Instead of, like, selling an album for a 100 grand, you're talking more like 30 grand for the first album. Because so you're selling away your masters for less money. However, the benefit to that is independent labels tend to not spend as much money as major labels. They tend to be... have have smaller teams and you know they don't have millions to spend money just like frivolously so they think about it more so your budget should be smaller however what's what did i tell you after you know working two albums with an independent label our debt is 600 grand like that's Mm -hmm. even more than a major label so
1: but yeah (laughs) (laughs) I have no agreement for that. You know, it's like... It's fucking mad. Yeah,
0: and now our music's supposed to pay that back and all the rest of it, but also, like, that was a 360 deal, as I said to you, and the difference between album two and three is is basically just... We had different management for those, and, like, the first album with the independent label, the management were involved in the label, whereas... On the third album, the very last Hudson Taylor album, our management came from outside the record label, which was a massive benefit to me as an artist because I had someone who wasn't benefiting from their system. Do you know what I mean? Like, how many hats can you wear? Artist manager, label owner, publisher. Like, it's like, that's, that's the thing. How like,
1: can you keep up the momentum as well? Like, you're going to drop... You can spin so many plates, but you're going to drop one of them. Or exactly.
0: More. And, like, you don't want to drop the plate, the most important plate, which is the fucking artist, you know? So... These relationships with labels can be good and bad. I found having a manager negotiating has always been the best way for me. Like, if I'm so emotional about it. So, like, on my last album, when I really understood the business and I was very frustrated at some of the things that were happening with my project and, like, I wanted things to happen in a certain way and they weren't happening, like, my emails would be very long and I'd be sending them to my manager and my manager would be the, the filter. You know, so I would have a lot of passion and he would then come at it with a very measured approach. And I think that was pretty sensible and it worked well for the last kind of project. So i just say yeah, if you're going to be getting in and signing away things like having someone who knows the business that you trust uh, is very, very important.
1: Could I ask as well, like, um, so you've been through three albums with the labels. Um, was it 56 EPs? Um, I lose count, sorry, how many? 57?
0: Well that's it, so like it's another, it goes back to this, like and we're recognising that EPs aren't much of a thing anymore?
1: As we mentioned in publishing, and it's the same with an album there are options, so the option is um, if, let's say so you're paid the advance, and that is for the cycle of one album, but then there are, EP, there are EPs trucked into that and you're at the behest of people who are making you do that not letting you move on to the next option
0: so like first album 30 masters we gave away yeah that's three albums like you know that's three 10 song albums and like yeah i realize that now and i go why the fuck did that happen and then it's just because a label would tell you just one more chance and this is what we're gonna do and like i didn't know what's best and i still don't do you know what i mean like i still don't claim to know what's best for any artist but like they actually did claim to know what's best and they spent money (laughs) claiming to know what was best for us. You know, second uh, album, the same fucking thing happened. We ended up releasing 20, 30 songs, you know? And like that's 60 songs. That could be six albums. I could be each, remember each time we do an album, I get money, I get an advance.
1: And when you do an EP, you're going through the same promotion cycle. Exactly. You're you're doing the same, you're you're being sent to different countries to write and writing sessions. You're, um, you're making music videos, you're doing promo, you're get, you're, and, to bring it to like, some sort of close, somehow, I'm going to put like, a lasso around everything we've talked about, and just, <laughs> yank it in.
0: I mean like, look, I, we're going to we're going to like, approach all of these things in different ways in the future, so I'm, I just feel so, uh, I don't know, under pressure to like this,
1: this is volume one of, of many, <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, like,
0: like, it's good, I hope, people have just a basic understanding, to allow us to talk about it more because i've got some just really interesting stories of of how working with these labels actually works um which i think demonstrates so much but
1: we just i haven't got around to telling them yet would be great to tell them <laughs> on it. <laughs> but i i would like to ask so something that i found very fascinating in the research we've done is the fact that during the first album psycho with the first label You were in Ireland at the launch of Spotify.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. We literally launched Spotify with Universal. They paid for us to go to Abbey Road of all studios and record over two days an exclusive EP for Spotify. And that was like, yeah, I told you single a week we gave away songs for free. Throughout Then we gave out free downloads for people to sign up to our mailing list. And then this was, like, the first time I'd really heard of, like, partnering up with that streaming company in the way we know it now. And they, yeah. Spotify, I believe, advanced Universal the money to, for us to go into Abbey Road, or, or they paid for Abbey yeah. Road or whatever. We did it. We gave them the, the album. I mean, Harry and I produced it. We were, like, you know, recording four songs in one day in Abbey Road and mixing them the next day. It was pretty, sort of... Mad. Pretty cool stuff. It felt really old school. We were producing it with no other... You know, like... It was cool to be allowed to do that. And it was an amazing experience. And I'll never forget it. Um, but like, yeah, it's launching Spotify, which is now. I,
1: that's what I want to ask is like, if I was to ask your perspective then launching it and it being this new thing, let's say Napster was a thing that was about uh, well, it, like, you're aware of. We
0: had to do ads too. So it was like, not only, yeah, we're doing this, but like I was the ad for like the first, if you had free Spotify, if you signed up as a free user in Ireland in
1: 2014. How you doing? I
0: I have the fucking thing. I'll be able to find it. I'll have it. I'll play it out on the podcast. I'll find it afterwards. I'll play it right now. Hi, this is Harry and Alfie from Hudson Taylor. Click the banner to hear our new song Care and our exclusive EP recorded at Abbey
1: Road Studios just for Spotify. Enjoy. I want to ask you about things. Spotify Wrapped is the conversation uh, this week, and we'll do a whole freaking episode of it in the new year. But it's just so interesting to see the contrast between artists posting their numbers, thanking and tagging Spotify, and then artists saying, like, fuck them, basically. And um, it, I'd just be interested in having you let me know what's your perspective. I'll let you know mine. and we will see how it differs then when we're past this Spotify wrapped period and we actually do a deep dive into it in the future.
0: I feel like there's only so much you can get across by sharing one of their marketing pictures which is the stats that they give you and the medium of social media in the first place that's why I'm really happy to have this space where we can talk about it because I feel like I can make my opinions sort of known and we can talk about it and everybody can think about it together rather than me just like plastering my opinion about it on you know my opinion is not great to be honest on the state of music at the moment and given what I've learned mostly from this podcast with use, you know, I'd have been pretty pro Spotify before this and not pro, but like, I like it as a user. I have my music stored on there. It's handy for me. I don't really want to change. And, you know, if I do change, it'll be going back to buying physical copies and, and, and yeah. listening to music on vinyl when I can, you know, afford a proper good vinyl player and, and, and have that sort of set there. I really like that ritualistic approach to music. However, yeah. I I do think Spotify as it is is damaging music, and also know some artists and musicians' opinions on this. Yet they don't promote them because I know it wouldn't necessarily be fair to talk about forty million st- million streams as a bad thing, or whatever. You yeah. know, it's very difficult to square that circle. And as we, I found it difficult talking about a lot of this this stuff is like it's hard conversations to have, and that's why I just feel like social media is is a hard place to have have these conversations you know like i said the situation is ripe for a monopoly like like i can't do much about like we need bigger people to come in and do and do stuff governments essentially so yeah i don't know i don't know how social media is going to help achieve that like i just don't know i uh, you know i don't
1: think it will i d- and i just it's it's strange it's the first time i've had as I, I keep saying as you say just skin in the game with this it's different it's different yeah. when i a year ago i would have been seeing the numbers or being like a, a top listener of whoever you <clears throat> and um <laughs> and then like it's <laughs> a so cringe at, and um and like i'd be like okay cool i did my part like and then like now i'm like in, yeah so like i get i get nothing from it like i got yeah. like not sent but i think i'm at a point where i'm in that kind of zone where it's just really cool to see, like, oh, it's listened to mostly, like, in the UK or, like, someone in Brooklyn, someone in Japan. Just, like, just to go, like, it was a chord in my living room and it spread its wings that far. It's mm. kind of cool. But yeah. then, like, I feel weird because 10 years ago, if, as I said, if it had those numbers or that number um, and that was a purchase of a euro even, that's so different yeah threshold to get to that the equivalent of a euro per the amount of times it's actually being consumed is mad to me um and i don't i i also feel like there are people posting in their numbers and tagging spotify and stuff who would have their opinions but they're tagging them because it will help them get on the place and stuff i don't know if i'm shooting myself in the foot by just talking about it but like
0: this whole thing like in it it is i'm I'm fully expecting also to be removed off the fucking massive playlist it is just if if, yeah. if someone happens to listen from Spotify, I don't expect them to like what's going on, but like you just kind of have to go what's more important here, like my own career and my own chance of getting streams or like literary art as we know it, you know dying, factually sort of factually dying now. It's not just like me saying it as some like ranting musician. Like it's literally like unions are getting behind songwriters. Like there are very learned people speaking very well on the subject and we should yeah. we we should get them in and talk about it next, you know, all, all in the new year, I, I think. That. Yeah, I think because um like you I said there it really well, well it's said it my own artistic way. But like
1: you know uh, but like that nuance though. The nuance is like you know the the personal benefits because people are in this. You know, as artists, and then it's the the frustrations because we're in as artists, but we're being treated as sh- like shit.
0: Yeah. So, but like we do have the power, and that's what like that's the thing. It's just like we just need to figure out a way to mm. to like I like this bringing back to labels and masters and big boys. Like <laughs> like they have the power and the money, and they had like they they can be doing things. They're not <laughs> acting. I believe in my in my interest, you know, trying to change things and get the thing right to at least a centre play, or like like why is that considered extreme?
1: Pay for it once, listen to it as many times as you like. You own it then. Hmm. Like that's the that goes back to like the thing about the, buying the DVD or whatever. It's like you yeah. own it; no one can take that away from you. Yeah. But like, there's there's no there's no way that I can take a single I have and make that a physical copy. That just makes it's financial yeah There's terrible financial sense right now. But yeah. like back. In the day, that would have been a thing. It would have been a well,
0: like that's the th- like we had again on the budgets for our first album, second album. Like there'd be money set aside for the amount of copies that are made, distribution and and physical copies. Like you know, they'd have to literally pay. Like you said, they'd have to front twenty grand to get these things printed. And the, you know, like if you wanted to print CDs, it would cost you a bit of money right now. Probably like a five or each CD. You'd have to sell them for a tenner. And like you know, it's like. Yeah. there are these costs to making things that uh, you know used to even 10 years ago like used to exist way more than they do now like now I can make a release and it won't cost me anywhere near as much as it used to back in the day when I had to print things
1: it's hard to track down I have um, Singing for Strangers and I can never pronounce this one OSHA
0: OC oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah
1: Um I bought them I got them from the library when we were doing research for this mm-hmm. like It's isn't interesting. I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to go into a store and pick those up if I wanted to buy a physical copy of music. But I can go to the library, and they're they're circulating. I suppose it just shows
0: you how much that's all changed over the years. You know. But look, I think we talked enough about me and my experiences for now. We certainly will talk. I really wanted to share things about you know some of the emails that I would have shown you in the past, you know, uh, with between me or my management and A and R people, and. Just how heated things can get over, yeah. you know, how, how some people who work in these labels can feel
1: entitled. entitled? Uh, yeah, yeah. Into, yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> entitled or like, yeah, just entitled to that opinion and that control. And as I said, that control, often the more money that's spent on your project, the more control that is given away.
1: Yeah, it feels like the ego of being a tastemaker.
0: Exactly. Something. Exactly, yeah, I knew that there's a lot of egos in the room. That's the thing. The artist is often overlooked in these big systems, and like a lot of credit, so like with marketing, for example, like an artist's social media campaign they might an artist might have came up with the idea, and then a yeah. marketing team got on board, funded it, and developed the idea, and then the marketing team got credit for yeah. an idea that an artist brought in
1: and it's yeah it's it's all there like everything that's uh either like affects you as a a consumer and stuff like that like you can if you put on your you know your learning brain your whatever your analytical brain you can spot like why did it like just ask why and then yeah. there's these people who are like we know everything but like to be honest like we're at a point where like no one knows <laughs> no, no one knows much. Know anything
0: yeah yeah exactly and like it's you know i suppose following trends is what what, what is kind of happening at the moment something happens you know yeah. like uh, we spoke about it before sped up masters are suddenly yeah. popular so every artist has to speed up their masters <laughs> just that confuses just, me yeah i mean like it's just... having the
1: chipmunks did it and they, they did it pretty well
0: yeah and you could argue that crazy frog came about by a similar man <laughs>
1: honestly like what a what a champion
0: <laughs> i know what a guy it's um, a Christmas special yet, though? no no we'll <laughs> save that for a couple of weeks time um, and yeah, we'll save this politics and label politics for another time as well. Like I will talk with maybe specifically about A&R later in some time next year. And, and I can share with you some of the emails I've been sent and some of the things I've been told from, you know, people who couldn't even sing you know, or, you know, do like, you know, yeah. musically, they offer an opinion, which again, anyone's opinion it's all good to have all opinions are valid do you know but yeah. um often like some opinions you get from people who work in music don't make musical sense and or or mm. they're you can tell they're coming at it with a commercial angle which is sometimes okay because you need to make radio edits you need to do that you know all these sort of things like they we'll get into a and r that's another whole episode i think um but yeah i think well, now we should kind of talk about our lord and savior taylor
1: swift i meant Jesus Christ. I got excited. Yeah, <laughs> 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 <Not> joking. <laughs>
0: um, and yeah, I I mean, look, I she needs no introduction. Like I said earlier, yeah. you know, uh, well, I, everyone will know who she is and at least be able to sing one of her songs. Um, and yeah, I think what's I. I let's say look it wasn't she, I wasn't into her music or like growing up, you know, it just mm. didn't gravitate towards it i wasn't I wasn't into it, but like yeah i i I knew of her, but like i wasn't, I wasn't listening um now I've come to really like her more recent music, and I suppose I actually the gateway for me into her more recent music was how fucking badass she is, do you know, and yeah. how vocal she's been online and yeah, just kind of this whole situation with her masters and uh, Scooter Braun. Did you know about this? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you know uh, about this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, what what do you know about it? Really quickly, because I have a piece here that I'm going to read, which is from Taylor's very own blog. But like, what sum it up for us, so for the listener who maybe doesn't know?
1: So, like, her catalog um, was bought by someone who. I, don't, I just say she. I can hate like for valid reasons um, and she wasn't given the
0: opportunity to buy yeah, it yeah. and
1: she could have but, she, but so then rather than um, I guess her catalogue now make you know a financial return for this man she went and recorded those albums and in doing it like like I'd, I'd be so interested if she anticipated the effect it would have on like her career in terms of like how many people got behind her or how much like grew it. But it actually like
0: well, we're still seeing the effects now. Like yeah. the tours she's doing now are
1: she's a billionaire.
0: Well, there you go. She's Times Person of the Year, and we're gonna talk about
1: allegedly. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm not gonna say what her financial status is. Swifty literally come in my sleep. Swifty will come into my house and oh, they
0: will. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. not going to upset Swifties today. We said that earlier. Nope. We're not going to do it today. Uh, yeah. And to look, sure, we'll talk. Maybe we'll talk about John Mayer. Not joking. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about fandoms and in the future, yeah. and no doubt, Swifties will be talking about you. Yeah,
1: because you're unique. And they want to unionise as well, which well, I look, was interesting.
0: Let's get the songwriters unionised first. Yeah. Um, i'm all for unions to be fair and there are fan unions i've seen fan unions coming up um
1: how do you feel about that if there was a hudson taylor like union who decided what (laughs) you're like how do
0: do you think i'd feel about that
1: i think i don't know like would there be a hr department would be my first question
0: well Um, yeah yeah exactly i want to (laughs) know asking for a friend (laughs) (laughs) um But yeah, so you you nailed it right there, basically. And I'm only after... I I just Googled Taylor Swift Masters, right? And I get taken to a Tumblr page. Apparently, she's really active on Tumblr. Um, And... Well, first, there's a picture of Justin Bieber saying, Taylor Swift, what up? And then in that picture, that's a screenshot of a FaceTime from Justin Bieber talking to Scooter Braun and and a couple of other people. And Taylor has written in... Oh, no, this is Scooter Braun. I don't understand what's going on with this Instagram post, but...
1: Scooter Braun managed uh, Justin Bieber, but he, like, found him or something.
0: Ah, I see what's going on. Taylor Swift has taken a screenshot of Justin Bieber. (laughs) Whoa. who's taken a screenshot of a FaceTime call he's having with Scooter Braun and, well, it looks like Kanye West and looks like another fella. Oh, God. And and then she has put on red riding on the top of that telling her fans on Tumblr, this is Scooter Braun, bullying me on social media when I was at my lowest point. He's about to own all the music I've ever made. And then she pops in to say, for years, I asked, pleaded for a chance to own my own work. Instead, I was given an opportunity to sign back up to the Big Machine Records and earn one album back at a time. One for every new one I turned in. Oh, God. I walked away because I knew once I signed that contract, Scott Borchetta would sell the label, thereby selling me and my future. I had to make the excruciating choice to leave behind my past. Music I wrote on my bedroom floor and videos I dreamed up and paid for from the money I earned playing in bars, then clubs, then arenas, then stadiums. She's naming names. She's not holding back here, you know. Uh, Some fun facts about today's news. I learned about Scooter Braun's purchase of my master's as it was announced to the world. All I could think about was the incessant manipulative bullying I've received at his hands for years. What the fuck? hell? Like when Kim Kardashian orchestrated an illegally recorded snippet of a phone call to be leaked and then Scooter Braun got his two clients together to bully me online about it.
1: Is this all new to you? Because I could give you some sort of backstory to it, which would be like... Remember Kanye West's song Famous? Or would you have ever listened, even come across that? He, there's I a line of that. I
0: sort of heard about this, and he says that, and he, he calls her, her as a bitch.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah. going to say it, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah.
0: well, we can swear, and you know, that's Kanye's words, It's not mine. I don't think she is at yeah. all. Um, but but so. he,
1: it was this kind of like, and even um, during the week. She was obviously Times Person of the Year. And like,
0: I'd love to read that article you sent me.
1: She talked, she like went further. And like, so
0: that's clearly been a massive part of all this. So then she says, like when Kim Kardashian orchestrated an illegally recorded snippet of a phone call to be leaked, and then Scooter got his two clients together to bully me online about it. See the photo. So that's the one which I told you about. Or when his client Kanye West organized a revenge porn music video which strips my body naked. What's that about?
1: Um, in the video, it was a lot of famous heads and bed, as, oh. as far as I remember. No, I've I didn't not seen it. Yeah, just very. I'll have back to look at head. that.
0: I'll have to have a look at that anyway. But that, that doesn't sound, no, sounds great. Uh, uh, now, Scooter has stripped me of my life's work that I wasn't given an opportunity to buy. So there you go. So she's saying her record, the record label, she's made her first. How many albums? Four or five albums? I don't know three, four albums, a good few albums, has been sold, and her music has been sold along with it to someone she doesn't want to own it, and she didn't even get the opportunity to buy it. I wonder why she didn't get the opportunity to buy it. It's just down to the discretion of the owner, probably.
1: Is it like a Paul McCartney thing? Yeah, it's it's
0: similar to that, isn't it? Yeah, so this is like today's master's version of that story, you know, but like, I mean, Jesus, the, the money that's involved, and she's really Landed on her feet now, off off the back of all this. Like you said, there's um, yeah. it's been great to see the wave of support. And I wonder, did she expect it at all? And she seems incredibly intelligent, so perhaps she did.
1: You know, she's like marketing genius, in terms, and yeah. like I like so so on it. And in terms yeah. of like her fan base and how she engages them and teases things out and stuff. Well, like I mean, it's, even it's, this
0: it's, Tumblr, this is incredibly honest. I've never heard yeah. like she's literally. This is like. And it it also involves massive names in the industry, like Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. I'm like, what? I actually had to check if this was herself actually writing it. I was like, no, I don't want to just talk about some random Swifties Instagram or sorry, Tumblr mm. page, no offense. But then I actually went, no, this is actually Taylor talking. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) So after that whole porn music video which strips her body naked, Scooter has stripped her of her life's work and she wasn't given a chance to buy it essentially my musical legacy is about to lie in the hands of someone who tried to dismantle it Mm. this is my worst case scenario this is what happens when you sign a deal at 15 to someone for whom the term loyalty is clearly just a contractual concept and when that man says music has value he means its value is beholden to men who had no part in creating it yeah wow when I left my masters in Scott's hands, I made peace with the fact that eventually he would sell them. Never in my worst nightmare did I imagine the buyer would be Scooter. Anytime Scott Borchetta has heard the word Scooter Braun escape my lips, it was when I was either crying or trying not to. He knew what he was doing. They both did. Controlling a woman who didn't want to be associated with them. In per Perpetuity. perpetuity. La, la, la. I might have to drop that in, one in later.
1: Impertuity. <laughs> Impertuity.
0: Impertuity. And Taylor thankfully explains, for the <laughs> hard of <laughs> learning, that means forever. <laughs> thankfully, I'm now signed to a label that believes I should own anything I create. Thankfully, I left my past in Scott's hands and not my future. This is so well written and hopefully young artists or kids with musical dreams will read this and learn about how to better protect themselves in a negotiation. You deserve to own the art you make. Whoa. I will always be proud of my past work, but for a healthier option, lover will be out on August 23. Yeah. Wow. Sad and grossed out. Love Taylor, broken heart. And then this is another one on her Tumblr. Guys, it's been announced that recently the American Music Awards will be honouring me with the Artist of the Decade Award at this year's ceremony. I've been planning to perform a medley of my hits throughout the decade of on the show. Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun have now said that I'm not allowed to perform my old songs on television because they claim... So this is what can fucking happen. Because yeah. they claimed that would be re-recording my music before I'm allowed to next year. Additionally, and this is the way... I had planned on telling you this news. Netflix has created a documentary about my life over the past few years. Scott and Scooter have declined the use of my older music or performance footage for this project, even though there was no mention of either of them or Big Machine Records anywhere in the film. She was literally writing the story as it was going. You know what I mean? Like, this is so open, um this is her tumblr page like and, and again she's telling her fans educated people along the way and you know helping herself out but also there's that bit in there that says you know any other young artist basically doesn't sell their dreams and they have a better understanding yeah. of things which is so admirable um then she's back in
1: 2016 this what this Kanye West thing would I be mean 2016 so it's 2023 and she's like talking about it
0: it's extreme lecture. that's so impressive and you know again like I'm very grateful for her for doing this uh, you know it's allowed me to be able to talk about it and for people to understand it like um I can't imagine this was easy uh, for her um but then you also she's an absolute pop star right so she's in a position financially to to probably be able to do this from her live gigs and all the rest of it so that's one thing to note
1: So like if we we're to talk with the masters thing um so like if someone's t- she went and basically recorded her albums and has been doing that, and it, they've been so fucking successful. Like, and now she's done doing the Ares tour, and it's like, Jesus, I think it was like Ed Sheeran's Divide tour was like one of the biggest of all time. Like, this is the... She's, it, <laughs> she's been in the news, I don't know for how long the tour's been going on, but it's like, consistent. It's like...
0: Yeah, well, like, what's really interesting about how successful that's become is the industry's response and everything I've seen is how do we make this not happen again? And I'm not surprised like I said jokingly at the end of the publishing episodes like I don't think you know maybe podcasts won't be allowed in deals because it allows artists to talk about their business situation free reign you know and like maybe now artists and I've actually seen stories that labels are seeking to change contracts so artists cannot re-record their masters and do a Taylor Swift it would be now called you know yeah. I was thinking like, geez, could I record I don't know. I'm gonna find out when I, you know, get a, a bit more time on my hands. I'll <laughs> I'll have a look and see, oh, can I re-record old Hudson Taylor stuff? Uh yeah. first on the Universal contract and then second on the RubyWorks contract. I'd be really interested to know. And mm. you know, it could open my mind up to doing it after. You know, I will say, inspired by Taylor Swift because it seems like it's done really well for her and, and people have got on the cause. And yeah. a lot of people want to support directly to the artist, and, like I told you, that music is saddled with so much debt, I don't see any money from it, so like yeah, it must be difficult for a Hudson Taylor fan now to go where do, what how do i <laughs> what do I do? you know um yeah. so I don't know it'd be interesting to find that sort of stuff out.
1: Taylor Swift being like a massive example of someone who uh owns their masters now or like at least people know what the word "master" would mean in terms of music and stuff. Um, who wouldn't have, um, and also shows the power of like fans uh, getting behind someone and actually like making positive change. But I also think um, <laughs> she's the most like streamed artist on Spotify, for example. I <laughs> like it goes into like these these things as well, which is like that's fantastic. And she's like has all this money and great, but, but it's also like the framework for what works for her shafts the artists who aren't that who aren't the biggest artists in the world. this
0: is where i hope and like you know now if we talk about the time interview where this is where she's at now like you said this was in what 26 yeah. 2016 or something so yeah she's obviously developed her opinions and all the rest of it and i mean you can just see this is the the guardian article talking about taylor swift being the
1: 2016 time with the kanye thing and then i'm not sure when the re recording would have
0: no, but that's been happening throughout the last couple of years, and we've been seeing, like you said, the effects of that in the papers and stuff. Um, so here is the headline, is Taylor Swift lambast music industry, as she's named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. In a lengthy interview, Swift says, Kim Kardashian feud took me down psychologically and criticizes music industry over treatment of young stars. So this is really cool to see, because this she has a lot of power, as you said, and she, you know, the system is really benefiting her at the moment and she's yeah. a billionaire and she's time's person of the year. So let's yeah. hope, let's hope. She's also an artist and artists like helping artists and she's proving herself to be, you know, quite an admirable human being here. And let's hope that she uses her power for the good of all, all you know, for the good of artists. Cause she's, she's got a lot of power. I mean, even I watched her documentary She's got yeah. political sway too. She can literally change votes, you know. So it's her like, fa- it's, yeah. it's a lot of power to have. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. She seems to have a good moral compass here. So like, let's hope, let's see what she's yeah. saying here now. So Taylor Swift has spoken of the psychological damage of her feud with Kim Kardashian and Kanye West and lambasted the music industry over its treatment of young pop stars in a new interview with Time, which has named her their person of the year. After a year in which she has been at the center of cultural c- conversations For her massively lucrative era's tour, like we've been saying, Swift spoke damningly of what she sees as a short-termist approach by record labels to replace rather than nurture its stars. By the time an artist is mature enough to psychologically deal with the job, they throw you out at 29, typically, she says. In the 90s and 2000s, it seems like the music industry just said, OK, let's take a bunch of teenagers, throw them into a fire and, and watch what happens. By the time they've accumulated enough wisdom to do their job effectively, we'll find new teenagers. Oh, Jesus, she's right on it here. She said (sighs) her solution was to change style each new album project. I realized every record label was actively working to try and replace me. I thought instead I'd try and replace myself first with a new me. It's harder to hit a moving target, she says. She was particularly critical of Big Machine, the label she released her first six albums with, and which she accuses of keeping her on a tight artistic leash. Every creative choice I wanted to make was second-guessed, she said. I was really overthinking these albums. Wow. I mean, there you go. You can tell. So she's she's speaking very well. Um, very honest here. Um, that working relationship ended in huge acrimony with Swift opposed to the transferal of ownership of the big machine albums to manager Scooter Braun, like we've been saying, with whom she had clashed. My masters were being sold to someone who actively wanted them for nefarious reasons, in my opinion. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> she told Time. Braun has not commented on the interview but has previously said a lot of things got lost in translation in the deal and the circus around it. I thought it was unfair, but I also understand from the other side, they probably felt it was unfair too. Uh-huh. Come on now. Swift's animosity towards Braun dates back to when he managed Kanye West. Here we go. Here's that lovely context now. Mm -hmm. West released a song famous featuring the lyric I made that bitch famous referring to a previous spat between the pair. Swift publicly opposed the famous lyric but was critical after Kim Kardashian West's then wife leaked a phone call recording between West and Swift in which Swift seemed to have approved the song. A longer version of the video vindicated Swift by showing she hadn't approved the bitch line this, this is, is i mean i like like,
1: strength theory
0: i don't know what a
1: americans man
0: what a strange strange <laughs> situation i know it's a bizarre the feud dominated the tabloid press of course it did and social media for years this is again how i came i obviously missed all this but i came across <laughs> the bones of the the story and Damaged swift reputation which she alluded to with the title of her sixth album my career was taken away from me
1: oh that was a Jesus. Useless pop culture information that's resurfacing in my brain. <laughs> as you tell, I this. mean
0: tell me, because I don't remember. It was
1: adult. just like I like I think at the time, like, so obviously this was Kanye pre <laughs>
0: pre <laughs> like, whatever he is now. What, yeah. Whatever
1: the actual yeah. I don't even know how to describe. Yeah. Um so like, you know, some sort of good standing, you just even just as an artist, even aside from being a person. So yeah. like he just like came out with this song that was just like might be just fucking horrible like and Mm. like and you think about where that even dawns from or comes from like he interrupted her speech at the vmas oh my god i forgot about that yeah it's like i'm gonna let you finish and um so this is him like claiming her um, oh my god and then
0: kanye west manager yeah buys her oh my buys her thing so this is this this is
1: kanye claiming that he made her famous and that her success is um his response his uh he caused it and then she made a you referenced it before and i don't know when this was but she she had an acceptance speech then at an awards show and she basically called him back out there i was Whoa, saying there are people I who mean, tried to claim your thing and yeah
0: she's so impressive man i mean like
1: then. my sister gave me all this information <laughs> <laughs> like, she's she's a swifty I, i'm I just that's amazing though i mean like yeah. again
0: this is great it's- <laughs> Yeah. It's it's really cool. It's a nice thing. Don't to John Mayer. Be
1: learning. <laughs> we'll we'll leave,
0: it, we'll leave him out of this for now. That's 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 going to be a whole other episode. Yeah. Um so she says my career was taken away from me. She says in that time interview. Uh you have fully you have a fully manufactured frame job in an illegally recorded phone call with Kim Kardashian edited and then put out to say you everyone know. to say to everyone I was a liar. That took me down psychologically to a place I've never been before. Well, it would do. I moved to a foreign country, I didn't leave a rental house for a year, I was afraid <laughs> to, to get on phone calls, I pushed away the most most people in my life because I didn't trust anyone anymore. It's mad, man. I went down really, really hard. I mean, Jesus, I feel so bad for her.
1: I have to play something now, because you just reminded me, that's the only reason I'm laughing. Have you all seen Taylor Swift's person of the year interview? With
2: you? <laughs>
1: just...
0: Just explain to me what the uh, fuck is going
1: on there. (laughs) No, it's just like, it's already like this time interview is already like a thing. on like, let's say TikTok where like people are are, like reciting it word for word. Oh, Um, well
0: then we can join that club. We're going to become viral on TikTok, everybody. Uh, Anyway, um, so Kardashian has not commented. Well, yeah. That's no surprise there. But said in 2020, nobody ever denied the word bitch was used without her permission. I never edited the footage. Another lie. I only posted a few clips on Snapchats, Adding that Swift forced me to defend West. Kardashian also said in a 2016 interview that Swift totally gave the okay to the line. It's just a big... It's like, it's a, obviously, it's very serious, but and, yeah, it's like... It's so sad that we've gotten to this um, sort of stuff. Like, and then the dirty yep. business stuff going on in the background is like that's really bad. That's that's clearly the most damaging. I so mean, it's like,
1: it's just the she's built her career herself, and yeah. deserves that credit. Deserves those props. Like, and then at different points, Kanye West would have uh, tried to claim. That responsibility and then went on to that his manager bought her fucking masters and it's just like obviously that would affect he was an artist like but the fact that she's actually gone on then and just built even higher and become it's, it's so impressive figure.
0: it's so impressive and she deserves to to be that figure because yeah it it it's that i mean doesn't need me to tell her she's great obviously but uh she's great like honestly this is really really cool and uh yeah big 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 respect to taylor S- swift
1: so much to go into now i might save the jake shill and stuff for the christmas special um yeah yeah and, and um i don't know i know, n- I know um. nothing
0: about that i know <laughs> nothing about that either so whoop, yeah. right over my all, head i know but, it all like, too well man do you? Well, yeah, you, you've got an insider, a sister who's, um, you know, <laughs> a, a diehard Swifty, obviously. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, we'll talk way more about her. She's, you know, industry leader. She's she's an amazing woman. And uh, yeah, that, that's absolutely, absolutely. There's going to be more to say about her in the future. Um, I presume so. Yeah, I just you just know. Yeah, she's already yeah. going to be doing more tours that that make more money and all the rest of it. But
1: to throw it to you, um, yeah. as someone who stole your masters, uh, sorry, uh, you're someone who used to own your masters. Don't worry, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> eh? I've just secretly went and bought them. You're <laughs> back to Michael Jackson. Um, Thank
0: you, Finan. Yeah, yeah. After I've been giving you all this yeah, advice, yeah. you're like, "Ooh,
1: I'm going to buy your masters." Yeah. <laughs> um, so. When you owned, aside from It Starts Here, but when you owned the Battles EP um, and then in the negotiations of Polydor, the rights for both the EP and your label, which would have be been Crack Records, were sold. The parallel that then, um, Gabrielle would have held on to the rights to her home EP when she signed with Parlophone.
0: Like, really, the education I got about all of this stuff and the importance of it was through my, like my partner Gabrielle who mm-hmm. was releasing EPs independently before she got signed to a major and like I said earlier our management and Harry and I decided to sell the rights to our battles EP and Gabrielle had already been releasing independently and she was able to negotiate that she keeps those EPs so as that when she then had a big song The Power of Love and then Please Don't Say You Love Me those songs were were huge in the UK and, and elsewhere around the world when they kicked off people found her music and her old catalogue which belonged to her n- uh, label called Never Fade Records and th- there was an income generated there because like I said people were still buying music and then also there was an income generated through streams and YouTube and all the rest of it because she owned 100% of those masters do you know and yeah. so she was already signed and like doing really well as an, as an artist herself, and then also had a label that was kind of doing well from her previous catalog. So that gave her and her manager, you know, uh, capital, I suppose, to invest yeah. in in into their label, and also gave like you know if Gabrielle needed it, like money to to get by, you know. So
1: so interesting.
0: I as someone who is like going out with her this whole time have always seen how much better off she has been doing than me from her music, you know? Uh, yeah. And like, I, I, you know, completely respect that. Like we made a decision and you know, you people make mistakes and all the rest of it. So, so like, but it's been so interesting to watch the whole time and then to experience how, how then like how much fun it is for her to then invest in other artists. And like, this is the whole, Thing I've always been saying to you, it's like if you get more money to artists, they will invest in artists.
1: It's so. Sorry, I, I like. I don't know that I just get so hyped up. <laughs> I it's love like, it. Hilarious. I love
0: it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. it's it's yeah.
1: just so fucking cool, <laughs> isn't it, <laughs> like, man? Isn't firstly, it? I, yeah. Her I and James, the man, her manager, like yeah. just both, like so. um Obviously, in these conversations we be having, there be times when I have chatted to her about different stuff and like each time i just i'd leave it just going like whoa and like 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 it's, it just sets my mind down like a different lane that i didn't know was there but like was so i'm so grateful for that because it got me thinking about things in such a different way and
0: yeah she just has so many great things to say so much great advice to give and in a very presentable easy way as well yeah. um but also she has a very 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 good judge of character and um i suppose that had a lot and it does have a lot to play in how she works with people like she obviously listens to the podcast and helps a lot in the production of the podcast and it makes her think a lot and what's so interesting is like she doesn't have that many bad things to say about her labels in the past and her working relationships in the past cuz it's it's worked for her Do you know so like that's the difference. Like I have, there's been various characters in my career who have, you know, like Taylor Swift has spoken about, like, yeah. (laughs) And like they involve that little bit of drama. She's managed, (laughs) managed to somewhat avoid that. In fact, I've brought a lot of the drama to her life and I feel, you know, bad for that. Um, And Uh yeah, I think, uh, yeah, she's, she's like, that's what's, what's interesting. And like, she has agreed to talk to me for this episode because I was telling her how, like, her story and my story plays a big part mm. in, um, just it plays a big part in the episode and and the difference of owning your masters and not owning your masters. And I have already written down some questions. It's not going to be like a big sit down interview. She said she'll agree to doing that next year and we can talk mm. about any whatever subject, she, you know, she's again, she could speak about most aspects of the music industry. Uh, so she's waiting for the right one. That but was, yeah. I know you're gonna have a million questions to ask her yeah in relation to, <laughs> in relation to masters being independent like let's yeah, try yeah. and get two or three I think sorry <laughs> sorry, two or three
1: <laughs> my first my first thing that like the thing like throughout this whole process that I was like the most interesting thing would have been um and we mentioned it before, but like holding on to masters that you own in signing something that gives away the the, the new work um and like and how you can leverage that then through releasing um let's say you release an album like, like her like you release that but you, you own the first EP, um i just that's so interesting and, she, and I, was, I was talking to her once and she was mentioning how like you know on that EP it could be labeled as the like acoustic version so you own that one so you could give that to the for the sync license rather than yeah. the, the album version and like these like it, and i was like <laughs> like, you know what i mean it's very interesting so if if
0: a company approaches the management team uh, and they're looking for gabrielle's music well the management team can either send them to one of the record labels they've worked with in the past or they can say here's our own yeah. music that we own That's and so cool. if like you said they might own the acoustic version and they might be able to give the acoustic version of the song like I'm going to ask her some questions about this and how this has worked for her in the past because like some massive moments in her career have happened because of this and and a major label would have turned them away. I'm going to get her to tell that story uh, in her own way.
1: That thing that I was mentioning, it informed how I recorded my song and keeping it acoustic because in the future, if I was to do a, I don't know, whatever, and if I was to do like a band version or something like that, I would then own the acoustic version and I it wouldn't I wouldn't be giving away the whole song. At least like I'd have a version of the song that would let me do something else with it in the future, but hold on to this one. Yeah. And I that I wouldn't have happened without that.
0: So let's say that happens and you have this other version, but you're still managing yourself, which you are now. You know you're your own manager. And and someone comes to you and says, Hi, Finon, I really like this song therapy. I want to put it in my thing. You could say, Well, I've got the acoustic version. That's kind of what you're saying, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I'd I'd also be curious, um, like, with her label or, you know, with her management team, what's her view on the current kind of industry? What does she make of it? Like, I'd be very interested. Yeah, she's
0: she's got opinions. (laughs) I'd be really interested to hear them on this.
1: Yeah, and aside from that, then I'd just be interested in advice to, uh, artists in either looking for vetting managers or like how to handle that process and finding one. Um,
0: That's for, brilliant. Like, That's brilliant. Yeah, I James so. just sounds like a legend. <laughs> he is. He's such a cool guy. That's a really good question. And then like that also leads us into talking about management, which we're going to do next week. Yeah, do you know, yeah. which is like I've told you before, it's the most important job in an artist's career. And you know, for managing yourself, it's an extremely difficult job. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really hard to try and wear all the hats because you've got to, you know, try and think about your project in loads of different ways as a business and as a creative person. And my head's so
1: big that I can't
0: put them on. <laughs> uh, um, um, you're a multi-talented manager, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're able to do I it got, all. Fiona has no problem doing any of this. I uh, let
1: the manager off for Christmas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, yeah. I think that's a really, really good question. Yeah, I, I be kind of. I want to know a lot about what she thought of what was going on with my career because I she's always had an opinion. She's never been afraid to to share it. So I'd just be interested to know if she shares it on this podcast uh, or I'd how be... she shares it. Do you know, because it's like again, there's those parallels. I learned loads from her, and I wonder what she's taken away from from my project. Do you know, and I'm watching it from the sidelines and being
1: so close to it. I'd, I'd be similar. I'd be interested in hearing me yap on the podcast for how many for however many episodes what would would she have picked up any blind spots in things that i would have talked about as a a emerging artist that i should be wary of because honestly yeah you're absolutely loved in this home so uh that's nice (laughs) because that's my thing every week i'm like okay my a game because i know (laughs) i know that we have that we have the critic don't worry (laughs) don't worry
0: um, yeah. No, but she's like she, again. Like I'm so, it, in, it, this podcast would not have have happened without without her. It just wouldn't have. Yeah, you know, she's yeah. been so supportive of me throughout our whole relationship. I'm buzzing now to to get this chat. Um,
1: and yeah, what uh, to really see you gig on Thursday?
0: Ooh, I've got my first gig. <laughs> I know my first ever solo gig. Like it's happening. It's happening, man. I'm very. Uh, I'm nervous, but really excited oh. really excited like it's such a beautiful venue we're playing again never fade gabrielle's label look at this like it's it's their end in the year they have a christmas party every year and it's honestly it's like the christmas party to go to i tell yeah. you it's like that's how i that's how i now know it's christmas that's fucking yeah plugging my own song there but <laughs> it's like when oh, that comes around there's few like things therapy, <laughs> <laughs> there's a few things that come around you know every year yeah. and it's um and it this is one of them and it's like okay yeah it's time to get festive, and this year, yeah, Passenger is headlining it. the one and only. You know, I'm <laughs> bringing an extra pair of pants with me. Here,
1: here. I've, I've, been, I've, been, I've been zoning it <laughs> to, to, to play it cool. Uh, passenger, Passenger, and Elie Nikon those are the two. Now, I, uh, I want fan, fanboy. It's gonna be such a party. I'm really excited, really, really excited. And I can't wait to see you, man, because the be like yeah. we
0: haven't seen each other in, in ages. But, Since um,
1: August or something, or even September. But I'm really fucking proud of you. Like, on it, like if we look at. Oh, last time i met you in london it was in richmond and we we're strolling around and, we, and you were talking to me about, like this idea for the podcast and here mm. we are like at, at the end of the year just jesus like it's just um i'm uh, it very doesn't, excited no
0: i know man it doesn't uh it's so cool and what a way to be ending it like i honestly yeah. cannot tell you how grateful i am to to, to gabrielle and and james and never fade just for you know like they've helped me so much in the last couple of years um yeah. Just with advice and everything, uh, getting through this. So it's like there's no better way to be able to just celebrate what's been a crazy year, but crazy couple of years, you know. Um yeah. And yeah, I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait for you to see everybody, meet everybody, you know, and a, a, a uh, it's going to be really, really cool. Um, you meet my
1: friend Carmack, the one that in the video. Very <laughs> cool. Here, nice
0: so. actors. I'm going to be hanging yeah. out with actors. <laughs> oh, an actor. An actor.
1: But yeah, buzz, what song do you have, do? You have new songs you'd be playing, or? I'm
0: going to play one new song. Yeah, which is um, I've just kind of finished sort of writing. Like, it's the first song I sort of have written since being free, or finished writing, and and. Uh, yeah i just feel like it has to be played it's gonna be cool man and like uh, yeah i'm nervous and i'm sorry i've never felt like this before about a gig really it's like it's mm. a whole new beginnings for me again i'd be on cloud nine adrenaline as as we know about yeah. gigs and stuff you know so it's it's just yeah it's going to be mad riding that wave but i'm really excited to see you as well and and we'll, we'll get a little chat in hopefully and meet passenger
1: play, play cool now when you meet mike you know a pa as I, i'll call them <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: all right right. (laughs) but um Uh, yeah sure look
1: Mr. Passenger
0: I'll see you on Thursday we'll Uh, we'll definitely get a picture together and we'll put it up on Instagram to show us um, proof that we're friends absolutely yeah (laughs) friends from work There's the cops. 15 minutes is perfect. And they're going to be quite quick fire questions. Let the cops go
2: by. So I don't tell the stories? You do
0: tell the stories. You do tell the stories. (laughs) It's so weird, though, I will say.
2: What is? That you're
0: interviewing? This. That I'm interviewing you, yeah. Um, Hello, everybody. I'm here with my babe. Uh, (laughs) Hello, everybody. I'm here with the smartest, most talented, (laughs) beautiful person (laughs) I've ever known in our kitchen... I just walked in, so the, the dog. <laughs> Chill out there, will you? Um, this is weird, because I've never interviewed you before. I've asked you questions for videos yeah, and yeah. stuff, but, um, yeah, we'll just get right to it. Okay. What is your earliest musical memory?
2: Genuinely, like... The, Genuinely, what, like, yeah. The earliest time I can remember really going, wow, what is this song? Like, and being, like, really almost entranced by something was, like me I was really young maybe f- three four I don't know like really young and my mum was in the living room with me and the TV was on and there was a knock on the door she just kind of plumped me on the floor and just ran around the corner to answer the door and this, um, nothing compares but Sinead kind came on on the TV and it was like Academies. her big eyes and like the black background and I was like it was
0: that's amazing. I love that story.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and would you say, when you said there about your ma, like, do you think she would have, like, nurtured your music a bit? Did she, or was it your dad? Like, did they find...
2: Oh, like, it wasn't like they were musicians or whatever, but they were just That's what I mean, like, like,
0: who brought it out of you after you. After
2: I was just really like, creative. I think both of them made taught me to be creative. I think just because of the, the lifestyle that we had, we had to be creative, you know, we didn't, you know? We didn't, you know, have loads of money and stuff, so it wasn't like... Yeah. You know, being, that's, you have to be creative mm. in those situations. But then even, you know, aside from that, my dad was a very artsy person. I, I got, I kind of got more into kind of you know, fine art and painting and drawing and things before I got into music. But my creativity was definitely always encouraged. And it wasn't as if, you know, it was encouraged as a hobby. And then I had to do my studies. Mm. Like, you know, I, I dropped out of sixth form because I really didn't like it. And I was like, I want to go and study music production. And they were like, OK. There was literally not even a sit down and...
0: <laughs> you know, anything, no, really, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, when I met you, you had a piano. Like, who got you that piano?
2: I think we got, it all, like, Trade It or Gumtree or something and did you, for free. you
0: wanted it, like?
2: Yeah, I yeah. wanted it, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, when did you start writing, and why did you start writing?
2: I've always loved creative writing. So I think even in school, that was something mm-hmm. I really enjoyed, like... Um, and then I had, like, a, a keyboard that was given to me, um, like, a hand-me-down from an aunt, mm-hmm. and I just taught myself how to play things by ear. My dad would, like, give me songs and be like, learn this, learn this. And I, I, I realised I could learn things by ear, and then I just started putting things I wrote to that, I guess. What was, I,
0: like, the first song you wrote that you thought was any good?
2: I'm trying to think.
0: That's out, like, that Probably, one, Oh,
2: that's out?
0: That someone might, you know.
2: Um, I think it might have been something, like, off my very first EP. Mm. Um, I can't even remember, like,
0: after that are the ones that that you might have released, like, your first, you know... Probably home. From home,
2: yeah. Yeah, probably home.
0: And when was it that you realised you wanted to do music as a job, and what did you do with that information?
2: I think it was when I was, like, in sick form. I was only there for, like, three days, and I was like, whoa, I love languages don't like, I couldn't be asked <laughs> essentially I just hate being around I think I hated actually just being in the same place that I'd been in since I was 11 and the only yeah. difference was that we were allowed to wear our own clothes and like yeah. I felt like I wanted it was a big chapter change I wanted something new and I, I wanted to follow my hobbies I guess and the things I was enjoying um I I, I went to college at that point and it wasn't that I wanted to be a singer, I wanted to be a writer or a performer or whatever. It was more, I want to work in this area, let's see what's, you know, let's mm. see how it goes. I didn't really have any, like, set, set plans.
0: What was, like, the best thing about going to college and studying? What was it again? Uh, music?
2: I did, like, um, it was like a pop course, essentially. We learned yeah. a bit of everything. We did a bit of, like, engineering. I learned how to u- use logic. We did lots of, like, music history. Mm. Um, what was the question? What was the best thing about it, like? The best three um, things, maybe. Um, For me, well, I'm relating to my life now. Um, collaborating, writing with people, um, you know, just learning how to... Like, having a community, actually, in music is yeah. probably the biggest thing. Playing with people, making friends who are doing similar things to me. The first time that's ever happened. And if you're mm. coming from a school kind of setting where, like, you might have a friend who does music in the way yeah. that you do like, it's kind of hard to have your fr- whole friend group doing the exact same thing.
0: And there's somewhere you could... Have- yeah, them. it was
2: just really encouraged, all those things that we usually get told, so like, that's really good, now can you stop messing and do your maths? Yeah. <laughs> like, actually, we could keep messing, that's what we meant to do. Yeah. But we got taught to, like, you know, we'd get taught how to put on shows, and then we have to go and do them, and then we'd mm. learn very quickly we don't stay out until two drinking, because it- then we have to go and do more shows. You know, like, it was kind of, what I really loved about it was, and I don't know if it's the same with other colleges, but, like, for me, it ran like a label. And mm. um, there was a lecturer called Max Whedon. He wanted to run the place like a record label, essentially, and yeah. we were working in different areas of the label um, yeah. for a different, you know, for different modules and different cool. terms. And you know, he was a really, really big, you know, influence. I think, and he he got me into Nick Drake and cool. stuff, and like Nick Drake. Was it him who
0: told you to set up a YouTube channel?
2: It wasn't, no. Okay. I'd already set up YouTube channel. I actually don't even remember. I think it was yeah. like, I'd recorded something and my mum was like, oh, you should put this up and, and we we'll share it. Like, I don't know. And I, I think my friend was in it as well. And I think we just literally put it up to share it. It wasn't like I planned to start a YouTube channel. Well, it yeah. wasn't like I was talking to the camera as well. Someone else had filmed it and I was mm. sat there at a piano, I think. And like we were in our school uniform. What was the song? I literally can't remember. I think it was maybe a Paramore cover or something. Okay. And then I started, like, Hayley Williams, honestly, was my hero. Marvel. And I just think I... It was like, it, I didn't actually start to do, to, to, I didn't do it to get, you know, to see if people were watching and then one mm-hmm. day, like, maybe I left it for a few weeks and I went back on to show my mom or someone, I can't yeah. remember, and I saw I had a load of comments and I was like, oh, yeah. people are making requests and yeah. giving me a really nice constructive criticism yeah. and yeah, that's cool, I'll keep doing it, yeah. <laughs> you know.
0: And it was, was it through YouTube that your manager James found you or got in contact with you? How I did, believe how did that so.
2: So James actually was, had found out about me from a dude called Jack. And how old were you at
0: this point? Sorry. 16,
2: 17. I was in college. Yes. They both came down um, to see me at a gig that we put on at college. Yeah. And he'd seen my YouTube and stuff. And we just started kind of working from there.
0: And what was that like? Like did your mum and dad have to meet him? Like, to, what was the kind of vetting process for you? My mum and dad time? met him,
2: but then they were like, "Yeah, cool. As long as you're safe." Like, the kind of they were in contact with him. You know, I'd go up to London and do sessions and meetings and stuff, and like, they'd put me on the train, and he'd have to meet me off the train. Text my mum.
0: Did and, you like know what you were looking for in a manager? No,
2: no, I didn't. No, but I had a few people kind of coming. So you might have known at what you at didn't. The time. Want. Well, yeah, it was more like, yeah, he, James was the only one who didn't sit me down and force me to sign something immediately or really pressure me to sign anything. So things. he seemed James like... let's just put some songs out. I, had, I put out EPs and I didn't even sign a contract with him yet, you know? Yeah. He was taking a huge risk. So he just seemed... He just seems like he was... It was my risk too, but he was making it his risk, so it felt more equal cool. than other situations, yeah. you
0: know? Cool. Um, and when would you say you became a full-time artist?
2: When Power of Love came out. I think, and
0: that was. I was. The I was before then
2: but that's when it was really like I don't do anything else now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that was? Just because it got really busy? Because because you became your at music got point, popular?
2: I, yeah. At that point, I, I it was kind of like, well, you hit the ground running essentially. Yeah. It was like, right, well, we gotta go now. So this is the tr- opportunity. Let's go for it. You know, I I can keep doing my little shifts down the pub. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and how important do you think? I could be a silly question. The Add it being placed on the John Lewis ad was to that song so and, and your cool. career for my so, career, it's
2: so important I was yeah. very lucky as well because you know like historically the songs could either do really really well for themselves and it doesn't really do much for the company or you know John Lewis can do really well and the song doesn't really travel we both did very well out of that it was the first yeah. number one that come from that I think it was at a time where it was you know sync I mean, It still as huge, but that was the sink yeah. of the time. It was like getting Grey's Anatomy back in the day or yeah. something like it was a big thing, or like you know, an X Factor, like big yeah. moment sink or whatever.
0: Um, how did it happen? Like, did you know what song you were doing? They didn't, like, the, yes, they John told Lewis you to do that the they song. Everyone that. pitches yeah. that
2: song, I mean, that's what I, I think happens, and yeah. yeah, it is what happens. I don't I haven't heard of anyone else getting you know told to do a different one, everyone. Yeah has and then another the brief and I just, I, I was quite late, they asked me quite late, they hadn't found it yet and I just went in straight the next day, handed it in the day after that and like just followed the brief to a because I don't really um, want it.
0: <laughs> what was like the best thing about being involved with it in it for you?
2: Really for me to see how a piece of film and a piece of music can really enhance each other. Cool. You know Because straight after that, I mean it was the story of this snowman getting gloves for his snowman mm-hmm. wife but like for a Christmas advert, and it was sweet and wholesome. Yeah. Shortly after, in Australia, it was a theme tune to a horror series. Oh, and God, it became suddenly, yeah. it didn't feel cozy and sweet and twinkly anymore. It felt really creepy. Yeah. And I love that a bit of, that. just changing what you're looking at whilst you're listening to it can change how you hear it. And it's no longer a Christmas song. It's no, a, it's a, spooky a creepy, song. spooky yeah. song. And so yeah, cool. And so that was your first album. What's your like,
0: best and worst moment of your first album? Like, What comes to mind when I first say that? Best, best moment. Best first? Best moment in the first album.
2: Hmm, Um, I think it was the traveling to some extent. I mean, I got to see Japan, I got to see Australia, a lot of Japan and a lot of Australia. And it was just that, you know, I'd always wanted to go to those two places and like to actually be there and have, and also just to comprehend that I'm on the other side of the world. It takes over a day to get to like Australia and I'm there telling someone. In a radio station, w- why I'm here, and they're excited to see me. <laughs> like, it's yeah. mad.
0: And what about the worst moment? Does it...
2: Um, I was... It really, really detrimental to my mental health. The
0: travelling or just the health...
2: Whole- Everything. Everything. I think wow. it's... You know, you don't really know what your limits are until you hit them.
0: And that was the first time... it's not normal. First, it's not like... you. Uh, you
2: don't know loads of people that have been this, in yeah. this sort of job unless you've... Unless you work in this job. Like,
0: yeah.
2: to have something... Go like that as soon as it comes mm. out, and it's like we have to go now. Yeah, we're going. All right, this is going. Let's take every. And I don't want to take every opportunity. I'd never done yeah. that before, so I didn't know how far I could go. She so said yes to. I
0: every, say yes to everything, yeah. and
2: you know, I was really praised for it. Wow, she just says yes to everything and like, so hard.
0: Yeah, and it was. The said Detrimental like, to your mental health. But then I, I thought, stopped, and yeah. I'm like,
2: whoa, who am I? Yeah. And
0: you then made another album, kind of in a similar way, in the, under the same like major label. Under the, in the same to? contract.
2: yet yeah. yeah, they picked me up again. I made. um Another album with them. Um, what was your like best moment and worst moment with that album? Uh? What I loved about it was just being down in Luke's basement making an album and just writing yeah. with some new people. I just wanted to shake things up a bit, and it was really nice. Got to write with some amazing people. I had a really nice time making it. But yeah, I didn't have time. I think to, I didn't. I didn't recover. I think from the first one.
0: Yeah. You no, know,
2: I was grand. It could be way worse, but I think it was like cool. You, it's like oh, it's a lot of pressure to go well that did really well so let's make mm. sure this is just as good
0: yeah you know so it yeah it was pressure you've had pressure second album sort of pressure do you think or just um, more of, no I think you just didn't have time between them
2: if I'm honest like I just think oh, I did have time in between them but it was just very it's just a lot going on in your head when you've had like number ones around the world yeah. on your first album and you know Everyone's like, cool, what's she going to do? <laughs> yeah. And actually, like, I kind of just want to make a little banjo album in the basement, essentially. That's yeah. kind of what I wanted to do. And I think I kind of rebelled from, in some ways, maybe not consciously, but from the nature of like, okay, right, we've had this commercial success. Let's go harder this time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do you know what, fuck you. I want to make a rock album, a banjo album. I want to do this folk <laughs> yeah. thing. And I think I wanted something that just... Re- Everything got so commercial and it's amazing and I'm very grateful for it. But I just was like... Oh, I kind of forgot what it felt like to just be sat in a gaff writing tunes and yeah. doing it that way. Um, yeah. And that was what was really nice and about doing that second album. It was just being yeah. in Luke's house, you know, making some songs.
0: Yeah. And then I think I remember after that, you were still doing stuff internationally and you also were travelling and touring a lot and mm-hmm. that might have had around that time taken its toll on you.
2: Yeah. I thought yeah. I hated touring, but that's just because, you know, if you're, even at the level that I was at, it was still quite hard to tour. Like, mm-hmm. I still couldn't afford to take a band with me when yeah. I go around, you know, Southeast Asia.
0: Yeah. So, like... So that meant you had to go... I'm going on my own, and it's yeah. great. I had
2: Simon with me, but then, like... But you know. Simon needs his own time. He can't just be babysitting yeah. me 24 hours a day. So yeah. I'm there, like, having a mental health crisis on my own in hotel yeah. rooms, trying to be like, oh, I want to go out to go and get some food, but I don't know where I'm going, and, like, I don't have yeah. the capacity to think about this. i not also, like... You just don't, you just, you start le- living by schedule. So when that schedule, yeah. you don't get a schedule given to you when you have, when you've got an off day or you yeah. have lot time. They don't tell you how to use your spare time, but literally you've got your- into the habit, it's muscle memory to read what you're doing and then do it. So yeah. when you look back and the space is blank, you do not know what to do with yourself. Yeah. Because your whole identity has become what is written on the list of things to do. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting.
0: Um. And like, yeah, the, around that time as well you were touring internationally you had massive success like well you were beginning to explore new options basically Mm -hmm. and also part of the phone didn't want to work with, or they, they were kind of signaling I, that they might not want no, to work with you like after that album, or something like that. Not necessarily.
2: I think it was more like a. Look, that second album didn't do as as well as the first well, one. First album. It's I, fair do, enough. Do you think I think that's
0: because it like didn't have Power of Love, for example, a big or something like that. Well, I mean, like let's that. remember
2: that Power of Love was on TV every two minutes for like so, three yeah. months on multiple yeah. channels. That was a huge, massive TV like, campaign. Yeah. Like, of course, it was going to spread. Yeah. Um. But I think as well, like, it. I made an album that. Was less commercial, and yeah. I'm so happy with that, I love that album so much. I, I love, I love so that much. album, but it was an indie album and probably yeah. should have come out on an indie label. And that's fair enough. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I think at that point, the like a few people started leaving uh, that were working with me. You know, it hadn't done as well as the previous one, and you know, when that's on a graph, it doesn't look great. Yeah. And then, you know, it wasn't that they were like, "Why well, you dropped?" I think they were just like, "Look, we want to work with you again." Yeah. But with the contract, how it is, and the advantage, we don't think that matches up with, you know, we basically want to give you a lesser advance. Yeah. Um, and they paid me to defer the option for a bit because they hadn't made up their mind. So, so they were sound. Yeah. Like, they, like, honestly, I feel like a lot of artists leave major labels, and it's, oh, it could be really horrible. Yeah. You know, it can. It could be horrible. Yeah. But I was really lucky that I didn't have any big fallen outs. No one did anything bad. Yeah. I had a really... But they still text know, you
0: and stuff like that. Oh, I'm yeah, still in yeah. touch with
2: them like that. Yeah. You know, I think it's really nice to normalised just being nice and uh, not everything works it's a major yeah. label like it's not like an indie label where they're signing one or two things you know every now and yeah. again like they're signing a lot and not all of it is going to work statistically yeah. it's not and like i understand that and it's and, fine and they were know, cool
0: and they they cool they everything's fine so it for, and, well they
2: basically essentially it came to they wanted me again but they didn't want to give me an advance and look I i yeah. was fine i don't need i didn't need money yeah. but like I wasn't going to give them my shit for nothing sure. when I could when I was in the position because I earned my previous masters. And the
0: contract probably said as well. What, just what if they wanted to sign you again, they need to give you.
2: They wanted to renegotiate the contract, but they actually yeah. said that they didn't want to. They essentially didn't want to give me advance. Yeah. Pretty much, like yeah. I'm paraphrasing that, but yeah. And at that point, it wasn't that I wasn't like I was like fuck you, you're not getting my shit. It wasn't like that. Like there was, it yeah. was not angry at all. But I had the means to be able to do everything. Yeah. If they weren't going to pay for it, then. If I had to pay for it for myself, why? Why would why, why I just keep it then? Do and you that's
0: know? because why
2: would I pay them to have yeah. my masters? I, I guess yeah. there's obviously there's there's shit that a major label at that time also could have done that I couldn't yeah. do. But like at that point, I was like, well, I, all the things you're offering me, yeah, I can do. And, and like is, and then they were like, well, we've come to we can't come to agreement yeah. so that's part ways. Like it's and, and it was nice. That's so never
0: fave Records. we spoke about it earlier in the podcast. The, label that you set up at the beginning of your career to release your, like, acoustic EPs? Yes. Like, the, at the, music the time, it was called Ghost Records. It was called Ghost Records? Yeah, really? and then we
2: changed it for when the Home EP, or the Never Fade EP, came out, actually, because okay. um, there's something else called Ghost Records.
0: Okay, so that
2: We just named it after that. I was actually a new name.
0: Fast forward, what, six, seven, eight years later, after you've gone through uh, a process with Parlophone, and just it fizzled out sort of thing, hmm. you were then in a the position to released your own master's on your own thing. And then just, just before like, you yeah, stopped I working with, with Platoon.
2: them? Platoon. So they kind of, it was my master's, I owned everything, and we mm. used them as a distributor.
0: Okay, and then just before you stopped working with Parlophone or something, they might have sold to Warners or something, but you also had some opportunities internationally, like at the end of the contract. What happened there? I remember you telling me something like...
2: Oh, that like started home. your career
0: in Brazil home Like your, god, that your was first... a real thing
2: for me where I was like god I think we actually can do this independently it wasn't like a ha, I don't need you because like I said I was really lucky that these people were nice I had success with yeah. them and they were hardworking, kind good people in this industry and I, you know, I'm really lucky for the experience I had with them because um, it <laughs> evidently is quite rare yeah. but like you know I had success and then I didn't and then we all went our ways but with that it was just a moment that made me feel like god I actually probably we could do this ourselves and I think it's interesting because, as we know, like loads of labels will give things away for free to you know, for a song here and there, for and some, companies, we for some mailing list yeah. names. Like, yeah. they love giving shit away for free. So it was interesting to me as someone who really, really values what sync can do for your career. Oh, yeah, I was my first album got so much sync that was that yeah. was it for me. Like, and you know, I had an opportunity to have my music synced on a telenovela in Brazil and they don't really pay very much for a sync fee yeah so what's it that was, like a... the fee you get up front to yeah. use the oh song. no but
0: the, play, the thing it's called, called Total Men de
2: yeah. I think that means like totally awesome it's it like a we don't really have it here but there's a really big culture there of like these soap operas everyone yeah. loves them like it's everyone will sit down and watch them every day and now yeah. they're kind of on streaming and stuff as well but it's like They're big in Brazil, it's a thing. And they
0: wanted your song They
2: wanted my song to be like the song to... Like, they had a song for each kind of couple on there, and mine was the song for the main characters. Yeah. And they... They wanted to use that, essentially. I thought it was great, I, and I, also, at this point, I've been begging international and warners, like, please, can I go to Brazil? They have people on every day on the internet, like, have, please yeah. come, to come to Brazil, and they were like, what Brazil. do you think they like about you? And I was like, the songs, <laughs> like, why is it so difficult? Songs, they like my songs. Um, but that wasn't really a reason to go, they wouldn't pay for it, um, but they initially didn't, they initially wanted to turn down that sink because the sink fee wasn't very high, but we were like, no, 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 come on, like, like go on, like, We're not physically receiving a lot of money, but, like, we are receiving a potential opportunity, and, like, what can we lose? Like, literally, what could I lose? And you know, from Power of Love, how much... Yeah, and it was for home. Um, And so they approved it. Well, we approved it. And it started doing really, really well, to the point where it was appearing in charts. It was getting, you know, whatever. Um, So I... We wanted to go and do a promo trip, and Warner Brazil were up for it, and they were brilliant. Mm -hmm. They were so good. Um, Warner UK didn't want to pay for it. Because they didn't believe they didn't it want was a point. For you
0: to go to Brazil. So myself and James yeah.
2: funded our trip to Brazil yeah. to work with Warner in Brazil. Okay. We paid for that. Yeah. Um, because they didn't think we should. Because
0: you believed it was a great. Event.
2: I went there on the first day of my one week of work. Yeah. I finished. I did a TV. I did loads of radio. I think I did yeah. two TVs. I did the biggest TV in Brazil. Wow. I came off an hour late. And my song was number one. Cool. And yeah. We went out for sushi and stuff, and it was really cool. And then went back to, I was having a celebration, I was like, what the hell, this is amazing. And it was just amazing to do the work and see it literally react. Yeah. And I had a phone call from one of the dudes at Palo Vogue and like, I thought he was ringing to congratulate me on my Brazilian number one. And he was like, so just heard Miss You, it's brilliant. I think we should maybe work on the lyrics. And I was like, oh, well, how on a second? Like, what am I doing? Like, and it just kind of went, it, it just, you know, regardless of that happening, it wouldn't have um it wouldn't have well actually also the funny thing about being number one was that actually something happened with shazam so yeah. when that song was Shazamed when it was played on, on this show this
0: whole Shazam you Shazam and go what's that song
2: so i re-recorded home for my album in rain when i signed awesome. to Polyphone. i kept my original recording from the Homey P.
0: yeah we didn't do that when
2: you shazammed me. it in Brazil, if you're like, oh, what's this song, Shazam? It linked to my master of home, so which many. I believe is karma for them it not paying for, them for them my trip pay. to Brazil. So the song that went to number so one was my master of home, so not theirs. Cool. <laughs> and yeah, that's
0: so cool. and that's what Fiona was talking about earlier. He was like, that made him rethink his whole release plan.
2: Oh, well, the thing is, like, go, like, you know, like, I, I wouldn't think about it too much. Like, you work... No, just in terms what of, like, works owning now might not work. things. Like, yeah, like, own your like, stuff. I want to own stuff. the original one. like. Unless you really get main... something good in return. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying you should never get rid of them, but, like, it has to be worth it. And sometimes you think it's worth it because you get given, as you yeah. know, you get given eight grand. you're like, wow, £8,000, so, that like, pays off. And then yeah. it makes money. And you like, oh. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And after this, then fizzled out. With, you obviously had that success in Brazil, and mm-hmm. that was like you said. It was like
2: it just gave me a boost to be like, I can do this. on my I own. look. look my I've own. just done it. I've just yeah. funded a promo trip here. Yeah, and look, I don't want to like shit on major labels, but I did think you, they like, run you didn't differently. See they were this. brilliant. That yeah. like I worked. It was a major label that worked with me in Brazil. It was just the Brazilian yeah. Warner office, not yeah. the UK one. Like they were amazing, and yeah. the, so and it was on them that that happened too. They, they got yeah, me yeah. all of those bits of promo that led yeah. to that happening. So like.
0: And, but yeah. did you seek another major record deal after that or you were like, no, I was can open do to them. Yeah.
2: I was open to them. Yeah. Um, but I really liked the idea of working plato- with Platoon. I thought they yeah. were really, a really nice And you had team. the song Miss they You, like you just said. But yeah, it was Miss You. Yeah. That was my first independent release. And like, well, my, after, my ma- after my major deal, it was my first yeah. independent release.
0: Um, and then after that, you've obviously released two independent albums mm-hmm. since then. And how has that differed from the major label way of doing it?
2: Well, I go into my planning
0: oh. meetings. You go. Into
2: These <laughs> are, also, I was
0: talking about this earlier. These are meetings where everybody your agent, your manager, everyone goes in. Publisher, everybody and, and they people, like plan. Marketing and the plan.
2: But like, I understand why artists are there for all, the to- all, of, them. all like, of them. Like, sometimes they're talking cool. about numbers and graphs and like, it's weird. It's fucking really awful fuck, yeah. shit. But like, it's when it comes to creative and marketing and, and the songs, like, you can't want to be in them. It's not that like yeah. you're not allowed, but it just wasn't like, oh, we're having one, make sure she's there, you know, yeah. I'd have to probably ask and really yeah. be like, please, come. Um, and I just never really cared. actually. I didn't yeah. know it was a thing that was for me. Yeah. And then, like, with, you know, independent, or well, working with them was so amazing about them. They'd be like, what you, so you tell us first Give us everything I want to know what it sounds like I want to know what it looks like I want to know your values Give me this questionnaire About literally everything A whole big lifestyle right. questionnaire And then like I have lots of ideas For artwork and marketing yeah. And I guess get really involved I give them this whole file And they're like Cool Now we can come to you With our ideas And our plans yeah, But we don't, they don't they want know. to do that Until I give them the ingredients And so until I explain what it. They want to understand yeah. What my project is What it's about What That's is the message really cool. um, It's very collaborative And yeah. you know I can just text them. I would have, have a WhatsApp group with all the main people I need to yeah. know in the label, um, Yeah. and I'd be able to, you know, you just get onto them. They'd be able to get onto me. It's just very direct and yeah. very. It feels DIY, but it also feels proper. You know, like yeah. It, it's it's just yeah, and it's kind of it feels smaller, but like. Essentially when when it comes out and you're like after you know, if the songs come out, everything comes out. Yeah. It's exactly the same. It's yeah. just about the songs and the people who listen to it. No one else really gives no one gives a shit about anything else. The it's all the we get things. we can get so wrapped yeah. up in it and be like, Oh, this person's working with that and who this person's got this coming out and all yeah. that shit. We're like, literally no one gives a shit. We can yeah. get so up our own asses. It's just about do songs you, and the people who listen to them. That's all that matters. Do
0: you have a different connection to like your first two albums and your second and then your next obviously you will have a different connection to these albums, mm. but like is there a different thing do you feel it's been it's different when it's gone out on a major label or it's gone out independently? Does it feel a little bit better when it's independent? Mm,
2: no, not, not necessarily. At all. No. It's the same. Like it, like yeah. I didn't have any horror stories, so like to me, everything yeah. worked at the time. I think what was really nice. And
0: you've recouped as well, haven't you? Like on I've, some most yeah, of the yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah, yeah. recouped
2: my first three albums. I think. So it's
0: like beneficial. You're I've a read, definitely recouped my, wa- my one. My Warner deal has been recouped.
2: Yeah. So you getting a um, better
0: cut, and like it's actually yeah. a good experience. It works.
2: Yeah. Um, I think English Rain and, and um, Phosphorescence. That was my first album, and my most recent album, my fourth yeah. album. I feel like they kind of. I felt the same with them, even though they were the first and wow. the most so you're recent. first and your fourth. Yeah. yeah, because I made it m- both with Mike Spencer so it's and come from a Circle.
0: Like in some ways, in,
2: in some ways. But what was really brilliant about it was that it was, you know we is uh, we did that whole album just us anyway and I really did anything like we kind of just got on with it ourselves it was like we we were kind of left to it <laughs> left to ourselves really to make English Rain and it was like that again and we we, we basically did the whole thing again but with our values now yeah. and without them so it was all of the good bits yeah and nothing else yeah and it was really nice to revisit that same thing yeah and as an adult um, yeah So and what, that was really magical Um. And that was the same feeling for me. I felt like, and I think it actually was mostly just Mike and Leah's going up there yeah. and working with them felt like, it just felt proper. I feel very lucky to have worked yeah. with them. But that was like a nice, that was when they felt the same. And there was out.
0: less cooks in the kitchen probably?
2: Definitely less like cooks Like you didn't
0: in have kitchen. an A&R person. You're James and Mike. If
2: I'm honest. No, me, me and Mike were but A&R. But, were but essentially A&R, yeah. though, me and Mike A&R had English reign. Like we didn't, yeah. we didn't have the label calling up every day. We didn't have yeah. everyone coming up. With it. no one. Were it's also. not like no one gave a shit, but like. No one, no one was that involved, really. I, I think they came up once.
0: Yeah. And well. then things
2: started doing well, and they oh! <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. I have other, like, random questions. It to be really quick, but uh, unless there's anything on your own career, which you like to touch on, that I haven't asked no. you questions on. No, you're pretty happy. Tell Fionnone I
2: say
0: hi. Uh, <laughs> <a> Fionnone's <few laughs> in here. His, his questions are ah. coming through me as we speak. you like a medium. Um, a medium, medium. For, for no one's questions. Songwriting. Yeah. What's the story there? Why what's do you... Know why do you like, do you like... You, you write music for other people now, yeah, well. we yeah, heard a yeah. song on the radio, why, like, Isn't that cool? it's so cool, what, <laughs> what's good about it, what do you like about writing songs with other people? You know what's
2: so good, is that maybe, I don't know if other artists feel this way, I don't think I've even asked you this, but like, if I'm working for myself, especially if I go into a studio, or if I go into a session, and I write something, and then I come away, I don't then come away from work, hmm. and go, great, park that like, I'm there going, oh my God, it's swelling around my head. I'm like, what am I going to do? And I'm planning, I'm thinking about the future. I literally cannot turn off from it. Yeah. You can't. Because you're excited it, about the stuff. The, yeah, there's that. But also, like, even if you're not, you're like, it's it's your thing. You It's your yeah. thing you've got to deal with. And, you know, you think, it doesn't just end in that session because you've got to record yeah. it and put it out, like, if you want to, you know. Yeah. And... When I go and work with an artist and I go into a session and write a song with them, yeah, like, there you go, enjoy, bye.
0: They have to do all that. You stuff. You deal with that. Yeah, love yeah. you,
2: bye. Like, yeah. I, and then I can turn my brain off and go. And also, like, yeah. I love, I love dance music. So I can yeah. go and do some dance music, and it's not like yeah. in my. I don't have to suddenly do an dance album. It's not going to work for me. Yeah. You know, I love. You know, I love working with this, like the, doing all the singer songwriter stuff. But I love yeah. doing a bit of pop stuff too. I've been doing a bit yeah. of drum and bass recently. It's, it's like cool. the variety of it. I love all of it. You know.
0: Yeah. Cool. Uh, and then some just other funny questions I'd, I'd just like to... Like, Are these from Funeral? No, this is more just things I was thinking, like, when did you... Uh, that relate to the podcast more so, because uh. you've obviously listened and, and, like, helped produce this whole thing, basically. Um, I'd love to know, like, when did you first see me broken?
2: Oh. <laughs> um, obviously, like, I'm not going to... I'm going to not lie but I, I could definitely say more. Yeah. There's been times where your brother's behavior has, and I've seen you, and that's all I'm going to say, and it's wrong. That was yeah. bad. From like a, the fact that you're working with your family, um, there was times quite early on, maybe around the kind of touring uh, towards the end of your sec- your first album and then starting, actually, no, your second album, actually. You you were so skinny. I look in pictures, Annabelle, I remember her texting me, we were like, is Alfie all right? Like how skinny he is and i just knew that's because you weren't eating and because you couldn't afford to eat and no one gives a shit what? and like you know it's not yeah um when you were the something that sticks out for me is when you were ha- when you the day after you were number one oh, babe, <laughs> when you the day after you got your number one in ireland and everyone's celebrating it and you go down to your friend richard who runs that shop you know in the oh, yeah, you yeah, used yeah. to buy your second hand film yeah. of him and then he. You you asked if he would do it for the price he usually does, and he charged you more. And when you questioned it, he was like, well, you've got number one, you can pay for it now. He thought I was rich. Stop scabbing me. And you're like, but I've got minus 180 euro in my bank. I think that was just really sad as well for me to be like, oh, my God, people who I really like and all my friends don't actually see me for how it actually is. Yeah. That shit. Um,
0: Oh. And... Yeah. What are your best moments then of my career? Like of what's your career? to you? Yeah, like you were obviously coming to loads of gigs, like what was your happiest uh, moment of that like Of
2: the gigs or like not the just day the whole you got thing dropped.
0: like the whole I don't know.
2: Um I used to really the whole enjoy era. There was this time where we all went I know this is more about like my favourite trip from it. <laughs> That's,
0: there That's was a time
2: I mean. where um, no, like, I, I decked Harry and them. we all went out to the Faroe Islands.
0: Yeah, because Harry broke his leg or something. I don't remember what he'd done.
2: But, like, like, he, he couldn't was, make it out. He, he wasn't, wasn't there path, he and was I so ended cool. up covering for him. But like I felt I was really happy yeah. because we got to go on this lovely trip to the Faroe Islands. We just mm-hmm. had such a lovely time and that, that was nice. Cool. Well, there was a few incidences, but the actual, yeah. just to see that, I saw a puffin and got to go on a boat so I was happy. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. um, but then also I really loved, like I mean it got a bit tedious towards the end, but the... the... Christmas kind of situation. Whelan's, um we used to go around. Remember, you did the, I think you did it once, the Christmas gig, like out on college, it was on college green. It used to be on college green. On like yeah.
0: Eve thing. That, yeah, that was, that was fun.
2: Yeah. I loved the festivals. Do um, you know, I loved it. Yeah.
0: Cool. Not all of it, though.
2: Um, Most of it
0: was like a shite. I know. That's, that's what I was looking for about. Um,
2: uh, we show people the good things, I guess. Um, I can tell everyone, oh, my God, dark times. <laughs> Not anyway, dark anyway, times. we'll move on from the dark I'll times. I'll do a whole fucking we'll side podcast on this one. <laughs> uh,
0: we'll talk about more dark times. Uh, what are your thoughts on the industry at the moment?
2: Um, I feel like it's going for a big change. and I don't know what the change is going to be, but I think there's a lot of frustration. I don't think people know what they're doing and it's because you can't really plan because things are changing a lot quicker than they used to change. Yeah. So there's that, but then also um, I just kind of focus on what I'm doing. I'm grand. Do you know, I'm just going yeah. to keep trucking on and making songs and making sure the people who want to hear them, hear them. That's it.
0: And that's... Songs
2: and people, that's all that matters nice to me.
0: Uh, and as long
2: as I'm good and I can still pay, you know, our bills and things, mm-hmm. like... I'm happy to just, I don't need things yeah. to get bigger. I think there's this thing where you're like, oh my God, you want it to get bigger and you want number ones and you want it to go more sales than last time and more streams than last time. I yeah. actually don't care. I just want to keep going. Like, I literally yeah. don't care. I don't want anything to get bigger. That's not like a desire for me. Yeah. I'm fine as I am. If I could just keep trickling along like this, it's fine.
0: Yeah. And so, like, how does that relate to your artistic plans? Uh, like, what, what have you got coming up on the horizon that you're excited um, about? I've got uh,
2: lots of releases on the horizon. I've been working a lot in Somerset, in yeah. and Ash. Yeah. It's been nice. Um, I've been kind of getting into covers again which I really like I've tried to kind of just write for fun and discover what I want to do next until the project forms just take it easy like just being an artist I think we forget we're artists sometimes because we get too caught up in the business and the plan, what am I going to do? It's like, just be an artist, and then everything yeah, else works yeah. out. Like, well, what, well, should I do this release or that release? It's like, well, what are you going to release first Have you've written a song yet? <laughs> like, it's, you know, everyone yeah. starts worrying about it before they've even got the thing they need to worry about, you know? Yeah. So I'm just going to worry about making things, you know?
0: Cool. And uh, last question. Mm-hmm. How is it best for people to support you as an artist? I want to ask everybody this, because everyone has a different answer, really. I
2: mean, honestly, buying physical copies, yeah. supporting on social media genuinely like I know it's so annoying but like if you can just interact with everything yeah. it keeps you it just makes sure that people see
1: Yourself. it when I do have something yeah. out
2: um I'm not going to tell people to use a certain streamer platform over another I know that like Spotify oh, you know yeah kind of the they pay the least yeah um but like you know at the end of the day, people it's not people's fault. It shouldn't be on people yeah. to make sure everyone's paid fairly. Yeah. Everyone's just living their yeah. life, you know, like yeah. it's it's on an industry to regulate itself and make sure everything's fair. Yeah. Um so just keep doing what you're doing, essentially. But yeah. thank you. Just interacting with it in any way. I think it's yeah. And also I like I like it when people message me and say they like my songs. Yeah. It doesn't go on, on red, it doesn't bike. go on no. yeah. That's actually sometimes I just keeps me going. I'm not asking, gives a shit. That's nice. Yeah. Thank you, you know. Uh, that's lovely.
0: Well, please do, everybody. Tell her she's into because <gasps> she fucking is.
2: Fishing for nice
0: messages. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I love you. Thank you so much Hello, for BC, that. Babe. Babe. I'm
2: going to feed the dogs now. Look at him. Poor Bang boy. on time. You are what we